Hey, what's up, man? We're back. It's episode 69, first smoke of the day. It's your boy Pack in the building. I'm here with my co-host Blackleaf. Yo, you already know what up. Today we got a special guest in the building. How's it Pretty going? Controversial meme maker, Mr. <laughs> Poetry of Plants. How are you, bro? I'm great. This, I'm I feel like this is the first time a lot of people are going to get to see you. Uh, I've been on a few podcasts, but it, I don't think it's been as front-facing. I think it's been more like on that super nerd, grow tech talk stuff, you know? Got it. Yeah, this is some industry talk right here. It is. About yeah. to get into it. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Your your page is exciting. It's fun, funny as hell, everything you do, but you're an actual grower. Yep. You have more, a lot more depth to your story than uh, obviously making memes. So interested and excited to get into this. Yeah. We just went over a few stories before the, ca- you know, the cameras cut on or whatever, and you're a good storyteller too. So I think it'll be good. And your page sends waves through the whole industry. It's crazy. Yeah. It is yeah, wild. It's wild. They live for the memes. <laughs> I, they live for them. Yeah, I think there's, uh, I think there's levels to it. You know, I think it has to do with like what's maybe I'm able to put some things into that container that people are feeling, but don't know how to communicate it. So it's like almost like a, um, you know, a four by four frame for uh, the frustration or an expression that. If it wasn't like laced with some humor or snarky like assholeness that could discredit it, right? People wouldn't want to talk about some of the things I talk about directly because um, it could probably cause more conflict than I'm already creating. Yeah, it's definitely a different like it's like a it's r- relatively still new art form. It honestly, the, yeah. the the meme, you know, mm-hmm. it's always been crazy too. Like what works and what doesn't, mm-hmm. you know, why some memes go viral, why others don't. And then, but the layers and depth of like why you make memes is more than just to get a laugh. Like it's mm-hmm. like, you, like you have real. There, you, you have I, now that I'm now meeting you and speaking with you, I can tell it's like it's more than just like trying to make fun of somebody. Correct. Like it's uh you know it, it's it's something that you you know I'm guessing feel strongly about. Yeah. And like a conviction of like you know hey I'm gonna like you say uh, if they don't want to talk about it we'll talk about it in a funny way and then that does ultimately bring up the conversation of like what's really going on you know what's the issue and and why you know or whatever's going on and whether it's just something to laugh at or there's something deeper to it it uh it can go either way yeah sometimes it's silly you know sometimes yeah. it's just like i'm fucking high at home Dumb and funny and i'm like this is funny but um there are times where like i something's just really bothering me you know and in a way it's kind of therapy and you know i I'm like a creative person in general, like make music. I've always like tried to find um, my voice into some kind of form of expression. And I can tell you right now, like the world seems to be responding to this weird meme thing, which if you look at the world responding that way for memes, for a lot of things, I mean, you can look at like some of the things that have gone on with um, Reddit and GameStop and all of that, all that stuff is being driven. It's almost like how, counterculture can communicate with each other right it's a new form of communication um it doesn't require you know like a song for instance used to be like the form of counterculture communication but you'd have to sit through it for three and a half minutes and that world is over with like that's that that requires effort now with people you know because everything is scrolling and fast and instantaneous and then when you have a concept or an idea or a thought and a meme that hits, then people give it the time, right? 
then you have people that engage with it and the new game now is trying to get people to engage right and i feel like the world at this point um is pretty much just uh an onion of lies <laughs> right and and the controversy gets people thinking um and i will say that like this has been an evolution of learning how to do this um and i haven't always done it well and i think i've hurt people in the process and i don't feel good about that like people well there's some people that deserve you know if you're gonna like run and if you're not paying attention you run into a tree you run into a tree like if you go to new york and dry snitch on backdooring your backdoor work right you're like there i mean i did nothing to do with that i mean you don't do stuff like that like people will unintentionally create those that content for people for the mob of sorts right but i think what i'm really trying to cultivate is a thoughtful mob right where we're bringing it back and everyone starts to have some level of personal reflection within themselves of the relationship that they have with this emerging industry and their future because um what i see is a lot of people that are gaining or capturing an audience at least for consumers go um their their projection is only of success and the struggle is secondary to it and they talk about it while at the same time they're getting into a bugatti and i feel like a lot of that isn't real i feel like you can rent those things you can so it's this whole idea of creating the idea or the image of success and the reason why i know it's not real is because their behavior is an indicative of someone that's actually fundamentally grounded that sex success within themselves right so how those per- people got to that point um is they is they went through hell and back right maybe three or four times um and lost a lot because you know that's normally how it works some people get lucky or they stole it and in this industry i think the majority of people that have the success is because they've stole it and they've created enough success around them to enrich the people around them where everyone then supports that lie. And I've been in a unique situation as a cultivator to be in the rooms, listening to people talk about how they stole it across the board. And to be, to be honest with everybody, like I ignored it while I was thinking I was going to be able to work my way into a position of success. Right. And I failed at that. Right. I had it stolen from me. Mm. All right. And when I say that, I also want to say that I allowed it to be stolen. There was enough red flags for me to know. Cuz you cuz you were yeah, you're in the know at this point. So. Well, I I I was believing in the delusion and the lie that I could I get can totally relate yeah, to this. Yeah, that I could grab the bag before it was too fucking late or that it wouldn't happen to you. Correct. That's always the thought. That's ego. You know, might have happened to them. They're not going to do me like that. Correct. I just got done doing with this two, three years ago. Big situation. Continue. Most people have gone through that. And there's been a few examples of people who may have met the right group of people organization. And the organization wasn't as ethically faded. Right. It wasn't as degenerated or corrupt. Right. And they might have been able to win. I think early on there's been examples of that. Right. Um, I think there are people that are still, that have had success and stayed in it. I think the jungle boys are a good example of that. What Ivan has done is he's had success. He's stuck with it. I don't know where his, their growth is going to go, but I've also watched them have a number of wins and losses, even at the top. You know, I've watched him expand into Florida while simultaneously get raided by the FBI. Right. For what? There was nothing. No one went to jail. Nothing got arrested. They just came in and fucking took all the money. 
right? And who knows the whole story about it, but the whole way all of this stuff is going down is really wasn't it like suspect. the CBP or something? Uh, or or what? Was it was this a multi-task force was agency, multiple. but it was based on taxes, and it was right. they were collecting a tax that basically was being. So disputed. forgive me if I said it wrong. No, you're good. I, I thought just it know, was. I thought there was like there was the. There's so much hearsay around it, but it's yeah. a tax thing. It, 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 it was seemed to be like pretty much. Uh, you know, like like a sweep, like they they came and you know they just took all the money, opened the registers, but they were. Well, but, and let's not and speculate left. on their problem, but like, but yeah, the issue I, I is this. Me on that, but I'm just saying. But you know, the yeah. boards here. If you have an issue and you say no, we need to talk about this, and you hire a lawyer to go over some funds. Let's say that the state thinks they're owed that you yeah. don't think they're owed. The state will just come in and take that money. Yeah. And that's that's the root of this problem. Yeah. And so we'll kind of like, but yeah, keep going. But, Sorry. But so uh, so whatever the details are, mm -hmm. I, I, there's no way for me to know unless I'm inside of that organization. So I, I, I misspoke. Yeah, yeah, I misspoke on the FBI. No He's going to tell you a story and then there's probably another part of that story. Always. So we're always getting one side of the picture, right? That's part of the problem. And there isn't, there's like just a general lack of transparency. And, uh, and so the point I'm making is I see people that are still fighting that haven't like completely, yeah, Ivan sold, Ivan and Lux sold the Hawthorne and all that, right? Um, equipment company, uh, but he's been able to maintain his flower brand. He might sell his flower brand at some point, and some of us are being disappointed, and some of us be like, great, bro, you won, whatever, who knows? I don't know what the trajectory is, that's, that's his life, but I'm just saying that there's a struggle even at that level. Like, I was just at a meeting right now, uh, there was an awesome meeting where I was hearing another gentleman's story about, all everything that got into him getting him to the point where his uh 20, square foot indoor was operational right and how long it took and everything and it's a beautiful facility and they're operational but it's like bro everyone's taxed everyone's exhausted like if you've been in this industry and you're trying to build things none of it's easy so when there's like this there's like one dialogue of it where people talk about the struggle you know and then there's the other dialogue of it where i feel like there's what's really going on like where where that value come from because it is so hard right but most of the people i talk to on the daily are hitting me up asking me for help or advice or thoughts on how to get how to how to survive in the current situation they're in so like over the last two years um it's been gr growing exponentially and now like it's almost like i've become like this therapist right because of the memes like people hit me up they're like that meme really hit me up hit me and i and i relate to this like this, and then they tell me their story, right? And some of these people are like, you know, they got the vibe that they're 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 at the end of the road for their career and maybe their life, you know. And then I call them and I talk to them on the phone, right? And I and I don't know what they did to get to that situation, but I do understand the outside circumstances that are making it extremely difficult, right? So part of what I part of what I'm doing is I'm I've gone through that to some extent. I'm still going through it and coming out of it from my experience in Pennsylvania and what I did there and everything happened in COVID, um, which we can talk more about. I have no problem talking about that experience because I want to highlight like the, the play that private equity does, the play that, that, the play that some of these businesses do uh, as far as them exploiting the companies that work hard to get the license, build the project, right? But because you don't have institutional money you can bank on to pull out funds, when things go wrong because they do because this is a new industry and there's all these bullshit rules that are around it right everything costs a lot more so you factor that in with supply chain issues 
you factor that in with like all construction shutting down and all the COVID shit that happens. And then you see private equity scooping up the industry for pennies on the fucking dollar. And then you see people from the culture partnering with the people that are doing that, right? And it looks a little orchestrated and it looks like those people's interest, you know, they're creating value for the consumer market. They're the ones that are getting the highest value on the streets and in the shops and all of that. And then their immediate is get some value and then sell, right? And they're then working with the same people that are in a way just stealing the whole business from us to serve it on a platter to fucking big tobacco. Right. And then do you want to do you want to work for RJ Reynolds? That's the question. Right. Do you would you like to work for Philip Morris? Is that is that who you want your master to be? You know? Yeah. Hell no. I mean, you know, or pharma. That's another opportunity. Maybe beverage would be the best option. Right. But still, like these are giant corporations with HR. And I've had experience working for big corporations outside of cannabis. And I understand what happens inside of the middle management, the people that do the work, the middle management and the upper management. And I understand how that, how that whole idea of these large businesses doesn't make sense anymore. Right. So everyone thinks about growth and all this, but in a way, like it ends up being that the consumer the most time gets the, bot, the short end of the stick. And that's why we have so much garbage and trash out there in the market as far as other products go. And we can directly see that happening with cannabis, right? Mm -hmm. Like the bigger a company goes, right? The lower the quality goes in general. Maybe there's a few outliers. I'd like to meet them, talk to them, see what they're doing. But in general, and I've seen a lot of farms, you know, it gets to a certain point and people stop giving a fuck, right? And I experienced that firsthand and I saw why it happened. And I was a part of the problem in some extent, you know, because I was like the senior director of cultivation trying to manage people, which I wasn't good at because I manage plants. And then when you come into a corporation, you scale, it's really all about people management and leadership of people. And like most great growers are in the garden because they don't fucking like people. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah. yep. Or they that. don't, or they have trouble with people or they struggle, right? Maybe like part of like- uh, A ton of people have yeah. done them wrong and they're yeah. like, man, I can rely it's on their this. safe space. Every time I rely yeah. on a person, I get done dirty. Yeah. It, it, there's a, a magnitude of issues of yeah. why growers, you know, anytime there's a problem in their life, fall back into the garden heavy. Yeah. I mean, for me, like the garden was the place where I would, uh, you know, it's where you're doing repetitive tasks with things that are alive and it's, you know, living things and you're kind of shaping things. There's a bit of like sculpture involved. There's a bit of science. There's a bit of engineering. Right. And then you, and then there's also, it's also delayed gratification. And it's one of those things where everything right now is instantaneous. But when we start a crop, you know, what, 120 days, 130 days before you get to try it, before you know whether or not, you know, that 120 days was worth it. Right. And so when it's worth it, fucking hell yeah, that feels good. And when it's not worth it, it crushes you. But that just makes the reward even sweeter. Right. And then you get to share that with people. And then they exchange that and they'll, there's a high value for it. Well, that magic is leaving the building. And so what I'm saying is, fuck that. I'm going to rattle the cage. I might miss the mark. Um, and I'm going to start imagining what kind of standards we could have for an industry where we get to keep that magic alive, you know, and it doesn't turn into, you know, a fucking Beyond Burger at McDonald's. Damn. It's so true. It really is. Wow. One thing I want to get into, because I know we can keep, 
you you kind of shaded through you ran through it but when a grower like you were saying this is how big equity comes in and fucks over growers or fucks over you know branding let's say you have a large brand and you're not even a grower but your brand is huge people love it and then you start to partner with big equity like you were saying this is exactly how they do it yeah so what so so it's uh, we even talked about me setting up a whiteboard at some point but uh, what I'm going to be working well, on. Yeah, we got one. We can always easily well, clip well, it. Gonna, we'll get I, I think I'm going to be working on something that, um, and that I, you know, you guys definitely be a part of it. I hope you guys would like to be a part of it, but we're, we can continue that conversation. But more of an educational kind of piece of media that we can share with people as far as how this works. We got you. Yeah, all right, perfect. Because like on the Patreon, you bitch. Yeah, yeah. Please support support what Come they on, get, man. support what they're doing. We're trying to keep it support indie. Support what they're doing. Um, this That's is, what the Patreon's all about. We're forming this family to keep it independent. Yeah, yeah. Because without the support of your supporters, go figure. You can't keep creating. Uh, it's impossible. So, a hundred percent. And 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 one of uh, just to, just to, before I get into that detail wise, what I see that is going on in this podcast is like most of the content around growing has been grower to grower, business to business. This is the one where I see you guys bringing on people that are making huge waves, like Doja Pack in the consumer market, right? Like, there's no denying that he has created a new model and a new system. Like when I was in Pittsburgh and I was doing my thing and everything else, I was hearing about him. And that was, and then like people were hitting me up and be like, yo, this is the guy that's doing something like, right. And so I started paying attention and it's just like him sitting in his car, talking to people all the time, you know, and then doing his thing. And he, and he built a relationship with the consumers, right? The growers aren't really doing that. Right. And part of that has to do with, you know, the what growers we were just talking about. Yeah. What we were talking mm -hmm. about, like growers might a not lot be of growers don't like people. That's they can right. admit it. It's all good. It's their safe place. I get it. Like I, I, I. You know, I'm kind of in between in a way. Like I enjoy you that. You have to be. Yeah, I have to be at this point. Um, and so we need people like Doja, right? Mm -hmm. We need those guys that are going to represent quality. Like he's going around and identifying things, he's identifying batches, right? He's essentially a curator. We call them tastemakers. A tastemaker. Great. You know what I'm saying? Curator, yeah. curator tastes curator, the same thing. Yeah, a curator, right? Like he's going to go find the best fucking art from the garden and offer that to the public, right? And that's going to enrich that farmer that's going to create an incentive for quality huge huge because the incentive for quality is going away right so Not many people can do it yeah so when you when i see some of that happen i'm stoked on it right the problem problem is is that none of us have been educated in this other business right and the problem is that we're all coming from the struggle most of us are you know um where we don't have Second generation money, right? Are you going to inherit fifty million when your parents pass or whatever's going on? Are not you not even a million? Oh, no. What do you? I don't. Yeah, I, not I, even I don't know. I don't inherit. I don't know Ryan yeah. or Doja's story or any yeah. of that. No, but I'm going to guess visibly, even though I've been like a dick to them, and I'll just say that. But I'm going to just look at it and say that they're probably not going to be inheriting fifty million dollars each. Most people middle class grew up yep. middle class or below. So it's the American yeah. story what they're doing, right? Mm -hmm. they, they found a niche they found a way to communicate and sell a product right and they found a way of bridging two worlds right and creativity is finding the similarities in two dissimilar things right so you have the dissimilar world of a grower right that's antisocial, and then you have the world of the consumer that's extremely social totally threatening and scary to a lot of growers like i get in a room with a bunch of consumers i'm like you know like they're they're like growers are generally nerds, 
You know, we're thinking too much. Uh, maybe we're antisocial, right? And so that we connect more with another life form, which is a plant, slower rhythm, different language, right? So you have someone that shows up. You could argue that Burner did that to some extent, right? And that Burner started it with a brick and mortar, all right, and with the branding. And you could argue that Doja started it with direct to consumer. Direct to consumer is the future. Great model, right? The issue is that there, the industry right now has, has created this false reality that the only way for someone like Doja to be extremely successful is to partner with the people that are looking to collect all of the value, right? And serve that to a very large corporation, right? And when they collect all the value, they're going to get it at a discount, which is what we're seeing right now. All this market share losing its value. Did people stop smoking cannabis? I think we have more people smoking cannabis right now, right? So there's some other things that go into why that value is so low. Some of that has to do with the speculation around the value of the industry, the oversaturation of investment, uh, good money after bad, right? And then people like the MedMen that set terrible investment precedents, all right, that created like fixed interest rates on hard money loans or loans that you would need to get your, your, your company going, right? Because you couldn't go to a bank. So when you start understanding the mechanics of how these loans work, and, then the, and you understand that like most of the time, you're just going to be paying interest on that loan. You're not actually going to be paying down the principal. So like if you borrow a million dollars, you have a monthly payment. That monthly payment is never going to the million dollars. It's just going to the interest because the interest rate is so high. Like a good example of that is like, if you were to buy a house uh, for a $600,000 house in the pandemic, during the pandemic when interest rates are 2.75%, right? Your mortgage would be the same today for a house half of that value. That's the effective interest. Well, people that are going to Georgetown or going to blue, you know, Ivy League schools or business schools, right, are going through all of that. Like it, there's levels to it, right? And most of the Ivy League schools, um, and I know this because I had an opportunity to go to all that and I turned it all down and decided to play rock and roll and grow weed because I thought all those people fucking sucked. All right. But that was the path I was on. So I'm a little bit of an outsider in general. Right. And I'm not going to like talk about all that, but that I got an opportunity to go to Duke. I met the whole thing, went to it. And it just, I just, it was my thing. You know, I went back to playing hardcore music and selling weed, you know, because I wanted to do something different than what I had seen. Right. So, you network at those upper level schools. You can learn the systems of how all this finance works in those schools, right? In any business school. So we can get educated on it. But at those upper level schools, there's networks of groups where they work together. They're like all the upper business guys, they're all, they're all cooperating with each other to serve this on the platter. They're already talking to the tobacco companies. That's why Snoop Dogg just had a deal with what British American Tobacco or whatever it is. Yesterday, was it? Yeah, a couple of days yeah, ago. Yeah, a couple of days ago, yeah. right? So there's a cultural play that's going on and all these kinds of things. So it's really important that the people like Doja, you know, you could argue see Junkie, right? That they understand that they might get a huge payday, maybe. They're probably going to get fucked, right? They're no. probably going to get screwed over. Like they've been fed a line because they're ignorant and how the whole thing works. They're just going to steal that value from you. And meanwhile, you're going to be stealing the value from us to give to them. And it's just like loop. And then I talk to people that are in the middle of these deals and they're like, all I got to do is do this for two years and I'm going to make 50 million. 
And my answer is maybe. Maybe. Prove to me where that's worked. Most of the time they figure out how to not pay you. Yeah. 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 Because, you know, it's, comp it's, it's like a web of complexity, right? Until they stay on top. Yeah. So, like, I don't have a problem razzing people, you know, poking at people that start playing in that world. And then when I hear that, this is the only way to do it, right? I say, that's the lie they told you. Because how did we get here? We, we got here because we didn't give a fuck about some fucking law that's unethical. And we did it anyway. And we created enough inertia to make it undeniable. Now they want to own it. They're only going to own it if we give it to them. And we're going to give it to them because we think we're going to get a big payday. And then it goes back to self-interest. So you bought the lie that they've created in that system. But, you know, it's like George Carlin said, it's a big club and you're not in it. And maybe they'll make some examples where some of those people win. All right. And that's the bait on the trap. But in general, most will not. All right. And what they'll do is they'll sit on their private chats and they'll laugh about how cheap they got all the value from you. And that's what they do. It's a joke. And I I've been able to be a part of some of the conversations with some of those people to hear them joke about it. And after this podcast, I probably won't be included in those conversations anymore, right? Because it's weird, some of the conversations I've been in, you know, and it might be because I could have gone to Duke, right? I've got a little bit of that in me, enough where one drink is enough for someone to start talking about all this other kinds of stuff, right? So I've been able to play in many different worlds, and I'd say I'm more align in a lot of respects with this corporate world that's going on than the streets, right? But the thing is, is I've, I've, I've been doing this since 2001 and it's been a part of my counterculture with music and my own journey, right? Like, I'm not, you know, like I'm not, I appreciate any, like I always looked at weed and music as something that brought all cultures together and it's when I felt the, the most in alignment with everybody, right? The, the uh, weed and music made me less afraid of other ethnicities and cultures, right? Like there was less intimidation there, right? And the fear is what creates, creates the racism and all that nonsense, right? It was a place where I could share a joint. We could be at a show. And next thing you know, I'm cracking jokes with some dude from some other fucking world, right? That's a beautiful thing. That's a beautiful one of the thing. best things about weed. It is. One of the best things, yeah. So, you know, I'm an idealist, if you guys can't tell, right? But what I'm looking at right now, I just don't think it's going to work. You know, and I think it'll end up becoming something where we romanticize the good old days or some bullshit like that. But the reality is, what I'm proving with the memes is that when we all get behind an idea or a theme where we're all feeling frustrated or hurting, we can fuck their shit up. But we still need to be able to figure out how to work, to work together. We need to educate ourselves more about how that whole system works. There is a functioning system of doing business. Uh, there needs to be some set of principles that we're all going to like, for the most part, agree upon, right? And we haven't been, so we have to hold ourselves accountable. I mean, we were joking about like who fucking came up with Skittles, who knows? Everyone takes credit for everything because everyone's out of integrity, right? So if we're not in integrity with ourselves and if we're always clambering for some kind of value or some ego street cred, well, then we're easy prey. 
right? So part of the message that I do on Instagram is I'll poke at something viciously and then I'll put my thought behind it, right? And I'll be vulnerable. And it's really like, you know, I'm going to hit you and then I'm going to hit myself, right? Because we're all in this together. It's basically psychological fight club. <laughs> it's Edward Norton beating the shit out of himself in front of all these men who are broken, trying to find some future. Right. But it's targeted towards knowledge. Like you're, yeah. you're, you're opening doors of like, check out this article and sh- it's just really that going on. And it's not just all fabrication. This is all fact. Like it when is. you go on your page and you start to Google some of the stuff you put up, it's, it's really in line. It's interesting. It's you started to go down a dark web of like, wow, is this really happening? Well, uh, and that came from learning how to grow this plant. So that was a gift from this plant, right? And you're a grower, right? What are we doing? We're studying patterns, right? And I've spoke on this like on the Kiss Organics podcast, right? As far as like finding a reflection of yourself in the garden, learning things about yourself in the garden, right? Um, like everything is. Um, there is a geometry to everything that's all connected. Like this is one life in itself is just one giant interwoven complex system, right? We've created like these Neanderthal simple systems on top of all of it. And we think we're God, but we're not. We're, so like when you look at patterns, you start studying patterns in the garden, you, you can find those patterns as far as how things work together outside in the world. Um, and there's a man uh, that my great grandfather worked with when the first Great Depression happened. Um, his name was Ralph uh, Nelson Elliott, right? And he developed the uh, Elliott Wave Theory and the fundamentals for the bear and bull market. So he developed the principles for Wall Street. My great-grandfather worked with him and they taught people that were coming out of the Great Depression how to build back their personal wealth, right? And so he wrote a book that's really interesting called, uh, I think it's like Nature's Law, Secrets of the Universe. It's all about finding the same patterns in nature that exist in human behavior and how that affects the market, right? But what's happened is now people have figured out how to game that market intentionally. So it's not based off of the same type of pattern. It's now based off of almost like... um, More behavioral trends. Well, it's intentional. Like if you see like how they manipulate Bitcoin, right? And all of that, like people can dump all at the same time. That's not, that's not necess- that, that maybe there is a pattern of that. I just can't see, but I'm fundamentally, I'm just saying that there's evidence that there's a pattern through everything. Right. So when I start thinking about things and maybe I'm like kind of autistic or whatever, it's a good cop out, but I just start seeing the same kinds of patterns in, in society and nature and all this and that. And I try not to get connect too many dots because then you can't open up the door. You know, once you do that, like you can't open up any door you're just looking at all the patterns right but those are some of the things and that's where these things kind of lead and then i think about i just imagine when it's felt good to be in this industry with people and i imagine how we could do that more and then i imagine and then i look at the things that are in the way and most of it is self-interest ego um you know thievery but how I got good with the LED lighting, which is kind of what put me on the map, was by sharing my information with everyone else that was an early adopter. And there was like a few dozen of us that first bought those Fluence lights. And we shared with each other what was working, my man. <laughs> we shared with, a, you, know, you cooked your garden too. <laughs> I was like, why aren't these working right? Yeah, that's right. 
So everyone is going, it's, they're not working, not networking. Yeah, you know. Fucking LEDs. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. but that 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 nut was cracked, right? From like a small group of people that connect with each other through tagging on Instagram, right? Like, or the hashtags for Fluence Bioengineering, LED Grow. I was doing that all the time. And then I would find other growers and I'm like, hey, are you getting this? I'm getting this. What are we doing wrong? Not cheap lights either. Not cheap lights. A huge investment. And all of a sudden you're fucking blowing your room out and it's terrible. Right. So I was able to crowd, we were able to crowdsource that information and collaborate together. Mm-hmm. And now everyone, for the most part, except some few stupid throwbacks, are growing with LEDs. Mm-hmm. Right. So, and it's people are growing much better weed with LEDs than I am now. Like, but I was like one of the first guys to figure it out with a bunch of other guys because we collaborated. I still think there's an argument to be made that I don't know if it's nostalgia. It is. But DEs. It- and HPS single bulbs still yeah, produce better weed than any LED I've come across. And I've been through, I'm on the fifth kind because I, we're at a new spot now. So I, I'm seeing how that grow pattern is. Yes, they look great in veg. Yes, all the plants are great in veg. They always do. And then once you start to flower them, they bring out different weird traits because this is my, and this is just me collectively looking at the industry is that we used to all buy one of two bulbs, the Hordelux bulb or the other one that was 10 bucks cheaper or 20 bucks cheaper. Right? <laughs> <laughs> and then you would either the sunlight supply it, special. Yeah. Hey, <laughs> someone's from, and, and uh, we'll get to you. And uh, the Raptor hood. Yep. The wing. Yep. I mean, X, Y, and Z, the one with the tube. And then you have the hood and then you take the tube out. I mean, a hundred different, but guess what? We're all using the same spectrum. Yeah. And we're just refracting it or reflecting it different. And now every single LED company is a completely different spectrum. Yeah. So if I buy this light, I'm in, I got to rock with whatever spectrum this is putting out, even though it's not what I used to grow for fit. So people, I don't think people really uh, growers, I said, not people didn't know that when they bought into LEDs, we were buying LEDs like, okay, cool. Yeah. It's just a new form of the light I was using. No, it's a completely new spectrum. Yeah. So your plants are going to grow differently under every single LED company's lights. Well, and that's, and that's why I grow science lights because it's a tunable spectrum. Thank you for setting up that beautiful plug. Um, and there are good people who have supported me and I get to do my R and D. And one of the things that has been that I've talked to with uh, Greg over there, who's like their director of horticulture and goes to all the farms and mm-hmm. troubleshoots is even though I'm able to like get a very like mirror echo, like a very close to HPS structure with L- or HPS spectrum with LEDs, it's never going to be the same because it's electrical energy that's creating the light compared to gas. And what is the sun? Gas. Yeah. So it's a way closer mimic of the sun as an HPS light or a, you know, a single in, bulb or in the way that the light is being generated. And I don't think we have enough understanding on why that's, a, that's affecting the morphology, but you're hundred percent right. Uh, the problem with, um, I mean, there's, it's, it's a given, it's a give and take, right? Yeah. And I mean, the, the, the problem with it is that you have a risk of fire. Like there's some safety. I think I see that more as being, I, I don't think the waste is as bad as the fire hazard. Because now the LEDs that in general are being made are disposable, which is stupid. So like people have an LED for a year and then they're having to replace it again. So like I'd rather buy a bulb than another fixture every fucking year. Give me a break, LED companies, you know, make a good fucking light that we can buy once, support us. Sorry, they don't have like, you're not going to have your hand in our pocket every year. 
but there is some nostalgia <laughs> to the yep. way that the flower comes out. Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. Because I, I, I love. I run Lux LEDs, right? And I, I love that they were the closest spectrum for LEDs that I've found. Where I'm like, oh, I remember this weed. This is what I used to grow. Yeah. Then I, when we were building the 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 facility currently for the for the rec market. We decided like last minute, you know what, the market, the best flower, when we go across certain brands that are commanding crazy prices and local to LA, it's all DEs and single ended lights, what they're growing. You can tell by the way the flower is. And yep. so even like Cap did a thing where he had two different ones. And if you guess if it's LED, it was like a certain strain that he does. Mm. And then he had one side LED and the other side was de or you know double-ended light and he, you get you get to guess so you could buy both eighths try the same yeah. strain two different ways it's just interesting well, because i go back and forth so we set up the new spot with de's because yeah. i was like i think there's so much nostalgia in the market that people don't know i was doing tests where like e pack odds will confirm this where i was showing him stuff and he's like oh this batch doesn't look like and he didn't know at the time or we didn't really discuss that it was like oh that's the led that's not the and so people were thinking it's just like a okay off batch. And it's like, no, it was in the LED runs. Well, I, th I think it's harder to grow with LEDs in some respects mm -hmm. because you can give the plant more of one input. Whereas with high pressure sodium, we were kind of limited with how far away the, the fixture had to be from the plant. Otherwise, you'd cook it in general. But the flower end result does come out different no matter what. Yeah, I agree with that. And so that's the only, yeah. that's why I say nostalgia because yeah. that big fluffy big jar that looks like wow, wow this thing it looks like it's from a different planet yeah it gets tighter the buds get tight and so that's where yeah. we get a lot of people now and I I smoke some phenomenal LED flower but it's just I had a some crossover gardening happening at one time where I had fruity pebbles happening under an LED and under a uh, I've done that too and I was like. People didn't know that I, so I would put out batch and they'd be like, this one doesn't smell like the, and they, and I knew that that was the led and I was just like heartbroken every time I hear it because. Yeah. I, I think, I think it's just one, I think that's part of it is just perception too. And, um, I think they're two different tools and there are certain varieties that I grow, like I'm growing something right now under led and I, which I was growing it actually under the sun. Right. That's and, a great way to put it. You know, I'm yeah. like, ugh, you know, and maybe it'd be better under high pressure sodium. But we've also, a lot of the breeding has been happening under HPS and CMH. So we've been selecting around that, right? So what I'm trying mm -hmm. to do is start with the sun because ultimately that's going to be the most uh, efficient. And I'm hoping that indoor becomes like that 5% of the market, not the 95% of the market because it's just so wasteful and doesn't really make sense if we have a good outdoor climate. Uh, for at least the lower cost product, but the low like there's there's sun grown. I'm not going to name his name because he doesn't want to be associated with me so much because I'm rattling the cage, but we're still homies. But he grows sun grown that gets top dollar. It's phenomenal. And I've smoked it and it's like, that's the best. I'm not even going to name the strain. That's the best of that strain I've ever had. Right. And it's in a it's in a greenhouse with like one light. Just to keep the plants awake when it needed them to keep them awake right so i think it there's a bunch of different variables i don't think we should get hung up on it i think that um if hypersodium also makes sense if you're trying to um get started up quicker with a lower capital cost and you don't want to play the rebate game because sometimes you get screwed in that it doesn't always work out right um but if you have something that's like creating a, a flavor or a style that's to your brand you should stay true to that 
and then play around with different things. That would be my advice. But don't like part, a lot of people went into the LED thing and then struggled, struggled, struggled. And if the consumer is buying your product and you're finding out that that's because you're growing under high pressure sodium, well, one of the things that I learned um, over the last three years is that we don't set the value for our product, the consumer does, right? There's a problem with that though, because the brokers have been setting the value for the product. The distributors have been setting the value <laughs> for the product. Me. No, I'm just looking. I know, but you guys are partners, so you're Pongo good. Happened, right? no, it's funny though, because the, the consumers party. do set the value, man. Yeah. Not the growers. Yeah, yeah, they do. They do. Well, yeah, it's that's true. why you see some guys in LA getting 1600 and some guys getting 36 and some guys getting all the way down to, I mean, crazy prices. And, and, you know, congrats to anyone, you know, anywhere. But I mean, if you're still in the threes and fours and fives, 3,000, 4,000, 5,000, big congrats. Cause obviously you're doing something right. Your shit's smoking. And it's a scare it's and, smoke. and, and it's scarce, right? Yeah. Cause fire yeah. always prevails. It does. And I would, I would say like, once you hit it, I would say, I don't think there's a lot of people that are growing more than 10 pounds of one flavor. I would say maybe even more than five pounds of one flavor that are hitting those numbers because part of what's creating the value is scarcity, right? And if you think about it, it's 128 eighths in a pound, right? Like that's 128 people that are going to smoke that eighth, right? You could say that that's probably, you know, I don't know where the scarcity point is. And I guess it depends on how many market you can touch. That's why like part of what I'm doing and creating all this noise is uh, to convince enough people in the community and to convince the people that are coming in from the corporate world to force federal legalization uh, by creating the largest act of civil obedience ever, civil disobedience ever right is what i want to do uh where it's undeniable and i'm not going to talk too much about that because it's not going to be about walking across some freeway and ruining everyone's work day right i think we should represent the industry exactly how it really is openly and enough of us do that all at the same time because there's too many of us for them to arrest and they should deal with the problem with the fact that this is the market this is the industry let's not be pretending that there's a legal industry and an illegal industry there's one fucking cannabis market. All right. And guess what? We're going to, we're going to, we're going to make, we'll, we'll follow the rules as far as making sure it's safe. Right. We don't want people smoking fucking fentanyl packs. None of that nonsense or pesticide packs or PGR packs. Like we've developed, like there's a fucking sense of pride of pulling off a room really well without using any of that chemistry. Right. But all this speculative growth has caused a lot of problems, which is then leading people to use the chemistry again. Right. Uh, but if we could go direct to consumer, we let the consumer create the value for the market. We let the consumer decide, decide, and we have like a universal standard for clean cannabis. So we can start sending this shit to fucking Europe legally. Like everyone's doing it. Everyone, like you, you're going to tell me that like on a Telegram or WhatsApp or whatever that you're not like you're you're posting all that stuff up there all the time. Like it's not that hard to view it. It's in plain sight. Wouldn't you compare that to like legalization though, federally, where like every state now, where how many states have gone online, they still don't get it. So, I mean, it's like, it, that's why that's, I think it's always going to be like that, you know? I don't think so. Okay. Because it's non functional. It doesn't work. Like, let's get rid of metric. It's fucking stupid. It's too easy to cheat. It's too flawed. No one's, anybody that's playing by the rules is going out of business. Let's be honest. Let's just be fucking honest. Everyone, look, that's this expression you made. That's what everyone's saying. Because they're like, well, if I, I don't want to say that because, you know, I can keep running my hustle maybe for a little bit longer. No, I'm just, hold on, let me just say. There's a lot of people though. Yeah, it's scary. I'm, I'm going to say it. 
Yeah. I'm going to say it. We're going to keep holding on to this, and then maybe we can last just long enough to, uh, to sell to Altria. <laughs> Come on. Like, how about this? Like, direct to consumer, you can build a brand, right? Consumer sets the value. Let's say you got 100,000 followers on Instagram. That's 100,000 customers, maybe 50,000 customers, because maybe half of them are bots, but that's still a lot, right? You know, that's how many eighths is that? What's 50,000 divided by 128? That's how much, that's, how, that's all the weed you need to grow to start. You don't grow more than that, so you already know what your market is. We've curbed this oversaturation problem, all right? We treat it like any other agricultural crop. People pay their income tax, so the government gets their fucking piece, right? But let's cut out this nonsense where there's all these other taxes that are going to law enforcement so they can enforce another stupid thing that doesn't make any sense, and now the law enforcement's participating on both sides of the fence, Right. And then we have organized crime from the top to the bottom. All right. And all the people that really want to make something awesome happen from this are losing. Explain to me how this makes any sense. So I'm going to make the argument to everybody in the legal space from the top to the bottom. Maybe not all going to listen to me, but I'm going to make them listen to me. I like I will be heard. Right. They can refuse it. But I'll make that argument from Kim Rivers all the way down to Kyle Kazan, to Doja, to Sea Junkie, to all of them. Maybe we all can create some creative, maybe we can have a creative act of civil disobedience, right? That forces the hand of the government to just fucking end this bullshit. Like, you know, I can order wine from the vineyard and it, to the you know, winery and it comes to me, right? What's the difference now? Like at this point, mushrooms, which I think are far more potent than cannabis, can cause so many more other psychological disorders if they're used improperly. They have a fast track for more wide national federal use than cannabis. Why is that? None of this makes any fucking sense. And all of us is trying to hustle some fucking breadcrumbs so we can floss online because we have some false sense of fucking purpose. Well, meanwhile, we're sitting on something that we created by being fucking outlaws, right? Generational outlaws. Right, we forced this hand, and then we're going to give up when we're ninety-five percent the way there. That's my argument, and everyone I have make that argument. So what I'll do is I'll and what you think it's the it's the money that's what's blinding people or what? It's 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 coming from the poverty mentality, right? This is the only time I'll ever be able to make this kind of money. You only get one shot to make this kind of money. That's what's going on in people's heads, right? This only come, this only, this opportunity, how, how many times you hear this? This opportunity only comes around once in a lifetime. I've literally heard that. It's funny you say that. I've literally heard that in a meeting with someone trying heard to get me to too many sign a contract. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. But, but yeah, you're yeah. right. Keep going. Sorry. So, you know, that's the fucking snake on the tree. My answer to that is, says fucking who? Like in my life, I've had a half million dollar record deal. Right. Um, I had a successful film and audio production company. Right. And I've done fairly well, decently been able to provide well, had good years and bad years with cannabis. So I've had three primary careers already in my life where if I kept pursuing it, I probably could have really done something with it because I had gotten decent enough to do something with it that would create value. Now, the reason why I moved on was because those careers didn't have what I was really looking for, which was an opportunity 
um, to do something that felt real and true. And growing a plant that the Declaration of Independence was written on its fiber that was outlawed because of corporate interest, yellow journalism, and racism because some weird white dudes didn't want their daughters hanging out with a Mexican or black dude, right? Yellow journal, that's like reefer madness. And it goes back even to like the forestry industry all where of it. it was planting yeah, hemp all and of he it. actually had a, it was some type of, he was going to go out of business because of the hemp industry. It, it goes way so far back and they were like, well, shit, hemp looks like weed. But that was the imagery they used to get the voting, tax paying, uh, middle class mm-hmm. and upper middle class on board with the prohibition, right? And things are changing, but it's re- the way it's changing is it's not creating um the i don't i don't think it's creating a desirable result you know we've had a lot of like little mini revolutions and i can't speak on all of that because they're so sensitive but i want to because i look at the result and is this what we wanted like but but what we can do like i i put a whole thing about cesar chavez up my mom worked with cesar chavez um in florida a little bit and i learned about boycotting the grapes and Cesar Chavez was able to affect big business by, you, you know, centralizing the will of the consumer. And you're telling me we can't do that? He is through nonviolence, though. Obviously. He didn't do it. Through, there was no violence. Okay. That's what the, that's what, that's what's, that's where it's heading to. It's heading towards violence. That's what I'm saying. It's heading towards violence. Of like takeovers where they're coming in and scooping businesses up. It's heading towards that and other violence, real tangible violence, because now you have a lot of people with not a lot left to lose. What do they do in that situation? You know, they react. It's not good. You know, I talk to some of them, people that are at that place. I try and talk them out of it. Okay. I mean, we have more crime right now than ever. In a, a long time, right? And that's in the cities. Like, it's not safe anymore. It's becoming normalized, which is crazy. People are like, when we walk down the street here, people are now accepting that this is how it is. Why? That's a lie. There's something else going on. And I think in cannabis, because we're a bunch of fucking outlaws, right? And we force, we bended the will of the government already. I'm just saying, go a little bit longer, be a little bit more patient. Let's think about this and let's talk about each other. Talk about this whole thing a little bit more in greater detail. And I want to apologize to everybody that I've memed. If I've hurt you or your business, this is the reason why I love to work for you, work with you on a new solution. But if you sell out, I'm going to come after you. The key is you have to have smokers on board too. We have to have the consumers. Yeah, it's got to be yeah. because they're they're the largest portion. It's one thing to say, "Hey, you have money, interest in this. Your future's invested in this." It's another thing to say, "I just want my eighth, bro. I work a day job, and you want me to do what now? Not smoke this week? You know, like I get that. Well, and then, then, but you got to get them on board too. And then, and then, and then, so there's the reality of it, right? Mm-hmm. Every, everything I'm doing could be stupid and not even like everything I'm talking about. Could, no, it's passionate. It's passionate. And it's in a direction. But it could completely fail. I have to, I have to factor that in because if the consumers don't care, then it doesn't really matter, right? Should they care? It depends on whether or not they value high quality cannabis. 
And I think there's some evidence to prove that they do. But what we're seeing now is more low quality cannabis setting the new market price and all these kinds of things. And have we lost the consumer because we didn't start having this conversation earlier? Do we need to create, do we need to be a part of actively educating and creating a new consumer base? Definitely education goes yeah. a lot of the ways. That's and is that I consumer mean. base going to be more women than men? I don't, it doesn't matter to we, me who I'm it just is. Saying, Everybody. If, I'm just saying, we don't yeah. know. Yeah. Like it might not be like cannabis has been a male dominated industry. I'm not wearing my hat today, but usually I do with dudes in hats, you know, and it's how we bonded, you know, but it, let's be real. It's a boys club, but everyone uses weed, you know? So we don't know what that looks like. We have to be open and willing and be able to figure that out. We still can maintain our brotherhood and our culture and all the things that have created good quality. But if we've lost our consumer base to low quality product, then Big Tobacco has won already. Because that's what they're going to produce and we will not be able to compete with them. And that commodity market is going to be there. Right. And I heard like Graham on the glass house thing was talking about how they want to be Corona. I'm like, no, you're not. I'm just thinking you're not going to be Corona. I'm sorry. Like it takes a hundred years to become Corona. You know, I think it was like uh, Budweiser or Miller or something like that. It took them like 120 years from when they've had their first few pubs and breweries to where they were able to get to where they had all the distribution and everything. It takes a long, there's a lot of challenges, a lot of politics. I mean, do you, do you think cannabis is on that a similar timeline or maybe a little expedited timeline to that? Like alcohol. Yeah. I don't, I mean, I don't that's think what so. makes me think I like, think it's going to be faster than that, but it should be, but I think let's say if it's in half the time, it's, but it's, yeah, I know, but it should like be, 70s. It, should, it should be faster than that. But how come I'm going to like, you know, I was just at a spot right now talking with an owner and it's taken him five years to get that small farm going. And, you know, you got all these politics and grift and all the, re it's all because it's so, it's so resource dependent, right? So the problem is that we're, um, some of that has to do with the bigger picture that's beyond my understanding, but like the global economy, right? Resources, how these things come to play. That's why smaller farms actually make more sense. And when I look at like, um, there's two reasons why smaller farms make sense from what I've learned. If you have a hundred light room, it's easier to monocrop it, right? Or if you've got like a 3,400 square foot bay, uh, greenhouse bay, it's way easier to manage that if you monocrop it, right? That's, you know, at 100 light room, it's a couple hundred pounds, one variety, right? If you're going to grow 20 varieties in a 100 light room, more than likely not all that's going to come out very good, right? You're going to, it's going to be hit or miss because you've got all these different variables. Like you, if I saw the last Jungle Boys post where Fletcher put up, there was a whole room of rainbow belts. And I've grown a little bit of rainbow belts, but I had it because I grow a lot of different varieties in a room. I'm, I'm stupid like that. Um, and I was talking to Fletch about it and he's like, no, you got to monocrop it because you got to have everything perfect. And if you miss it, you miss it. And then, it, you know, the, the joke, then it becomes diet Skittles. Right. So like, but, but if it's grown really well, it's really good. Right. But you, but so that's the thing, like, so how do you do that? Create a scarcity model and monocrop. You have to have smaller spaces. Right. And that makes sense for like that quality, that quality component. And then you're probably going to have like a decent tier and then you're just going to have an outdoor row crop like hemp um, and that'll probably go to the commodity market and really low low value free rolls or whatever those kinds of things are but everyone built giant rooms and they built giant resource heavy rooms indoors and now they can't sell their product you know and now they're dumping their indoor for like 600 to 800 
into the traditional market. And then what has that done? That's, it's pretty good, right? Have you talked to consumers about it on the East Coast? Like if I bring them something that I know the wholesale price point's 2,500, right? And then I bring them something where I know the wholesale price point's 800, and I give, and I reflect that price difference to them, they, you know, it's good enough, right? That's a problem, right? And then, you know, maybe their palate gets dulled over time and then they, they branch out, right? And there's some varieties that are like good enough when they're grown at a mid-level, like all the lemon cherry gelatos and all those kinds of things. Like they're passable at a mid-level. They don't have to be perfect, right? So the art form and the craft gets lost. But now there's these new markets emerging. And thank you for New York. Thank you, New York. New York showing us the way. I, didn't, I was giving and I give up on the hope of all this. And then I saw what was going on with New York. Where New York is, is creating a culture around quality, around small grows. They're highlighting small growers. They're highlighting new genetics. They're, drop, they're doing drops around pheno hunts. They're letting the consumer pick the pheno. That's fucking awesome. And I'm seeing that kind of shit. That is dope. It's, not, it's, not, it's, the, it's the consumer that gets to pick, not one dude. So all the power now is in the consumer's hand. That's, that's engaging. Now the consumer has a piece of ownership in that process, right? So if it's like, I don't know, one I saw like pistachio gelato, there's like the number six, the, they, the 29 or whatever, and then they drop them and then you get to all try them all or you get a sample of all of them, of all three. Like the grower selected the top three and then he let the then communities can decide. Then the community that got that drop, that's scarce, right? And then they're participating on what gets picked for production in the future. That's fucking awesome. That's some Gary V shit right there. Yeah. <laughs> you're holding hands with them as they, yeah, yeah. yeah I, lo- I love it. And I, I like, you're exactly on, man. Cause like I get hit up by a ton of small growers out there that just have so much passion for the industry. Yeah. And those are all the small, small growers are who I networked to figure out how to grow with LEDs. The big guys, they didn't want to talk to me. They didn't want to share anything. They kept everything confidential and private. And any opportunity they could steal something from me, they did. All right. And they would take it and then they would sell it. All right. But this, the small growers, the eight, 10 light rooms, four light rooms where they're trying this out, we were all communicating each other. We were all in it together. It was a beautiful fucking thing. I was able to create um, from 2015 to last year an incredible amount of success for myself by just that communal uh conversation and that's the way it is the way it's just it's got to get everyone on board which uh the we got to start with the conversation we just and i don't know all the answers i just i'm i'm just want to i'm just the guy right now that's saying this doesn't make sense this may this doesn't feel good first and foremost it doesn't feel good Mm. and it doesn't feel good like the other thing too is like if you have a lot of success and you have a lot of people trying to tear you down well if we're you know for the most part, all collaboratively succeeding together, then the incentive is to be elevating us all at the same time, right? And you see that in tribes, right? But when there's ethical fading within those tribes and people start making up stories about where they got that value and the people on the outside that provided that value that didn't get a fair deal know about it, they're the, little, they're the one that goes around and starts dropping poison in all the wealth. So if you're doing, if you're doing things correct, there's nothing like, like when the cop guy called me, right? Like, he couldn't find any, any story of me fucking anybody over or anything like that, right? Because I try and do the right thing. That doesn't mean I'm perfect. But, you know, and sometimes maybe I have. And 
if someone comes to me, I want the opportunity to correct it. They say there's three yeah. sides to every story. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm just saying that like, if someone's not feeling good about something, let's talk mm-hmm. through it. Mm-hmm. Right. I'm not going to run from it. Um, I'm, I'm, I've grown up enough from that. I think that's what a man does. You know, that's the only outcome that actually solves a problem. hundred percent. Yeah. hundred percent. So what I mean is like, we all have to give ourselves the space to slip up because we're human and we're flawed, but we also have to give ourselves the space to learn from it, make that adjustment correct. Right. And then have an accountable conversation. So one of the things that happens a lot with the DM is like, I'll troll somebody. Right. And then they'll come into the DM and they'll be like ready for a fight. And I'll have a totally chill, awesome conversation with them. That's awesome. And I'll just ask them questions. And I'll just be like, dude, I'm just doing this to get you in the DM so we can talk. <laughs> you know? And also, I already know where, what angle he's coming at. He's pissed. You know? So if you're pissed, like, okay, great. I can deflect that. Not deflect it. I can absorb it. Like, be angry at me. You have your right to be angry at me. That's what I say. Like, yeah. I, 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 if I got that and I wasn't ready for it, yeah, I'd be pissed too. What's the biggest threat to the fire cannabis to like small batch or, you know, I can't. What's I, the biggest threat? Yeah. Like, you know, what do you think mm. the biggest threat is to, to actually putting fire cannabis? Undercapitalization. Undercapitalization. Yeah, because not every batch is going to be good. Right. And if, and if we, if, if we want to be creative, there needs to be room for error. There needs to be room for play. Right. So there needs to be enough meat on the bone. So like, let's say you can harvest out out of your small room five times a year you need to be able to make enough off of the three times to cover the two times that you fucking played around too much and will the consumer rock with you hard enough knowing like well the outcome of that is new phenos new strains you know new progression of what you guys are already smoking but you got to rock with like a couple hiccups sometimes i don't know yeah that's that i'm figuring out but i can tell you this the big license companies are putting out bad batch after bad batch and people are still buying it. Right. Cause of the price is so low. No, because that's, that's what's in front of them. That's what they know. That's what's safe. That's the narrative. Why has it been so hard for legacy growers to make the pivot? You think like, you know what I'm saying? Into the, cause like, I know some, they're fucking weirdos and it costs a lot of money too. There it is costs a lot. a lot of money, but we have trouble communicating with people. Mm-hmm. Right. We have, tr- we have trouble communicating with people. We might have done some things that have created trauma for others. We might have shame. We might feel bad about how we did certain things or those things might have happened to us. Right. And this is it's, it's like this. One of the things I've been playing around with starting like a support group so we can just get all this shit off of our chests and let go of the demon that we're carrying into any deal where we imagine we're going to have some success from. How the fuck am I going to bring my demon into any deal and win? That shit's going to rip it apart. And we all have a lot of demons. And we got to get real about it so we can extract the good out of what we have learned being outlaws. We don't want to throw the baby out with the bathwater. It is a weird balance, right? Because you go into a where like a lot of guys are, don't even want to see paperwork from anybody being like, hey, I'd like to invest in your company or I'd like to do something with you where we share profits and I can get because they're like, oh, they're trying to fuck me over. You know, and it's like. I hear this throughout the industry. It's like back and it's like, no, like that's why we had alien at law on the podcast a few episodes back. He was able to lay down. So I've had people hitting me up, you know, I I won't name anyone specifically, but big companies already in the space about to progress in the space saying, 
Bro, thank God for that episode yeah. because now I'm actually going to get my paperwork in order. And then, then weeks later, I hear back from him, bro, I almost signed a deal that would have been the end. And because of that, I put some extra shit in my paperwork and then they, they pointed out why they were going to, he's yeah. like, and I see all right where they were going to screw me. Uh, why well, is it? Why are we, you know? Well, cause, cause, cause we're, 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 uh, uh, because we're trying to operate within the darkest parts of the financial system that has the longest track record of exploitation. And those are the only people that will borrow, that will lend us money because the people that came first created a horrible precedent for investment like med men, right? You could argue cookies in some respects. So if those would have gone, like, if, let's say med men would have gone huge and that would have gone all successful if it and they would have supported small growth. It was or, all, in, it's all been embezzlement schemes, right? Everyone grabbing for the bag. Well, these guys, uh, part of it, part of it is by the, just the paradigm of everyone having to flex and sh like display that they're successful to bring more. There's this mentality that you display that you're successful fake to bring you more. Make it. Yeah. Fake it till you make it. I think that, um, that works sometimes. But I think overall, um, uh, not all of us are going to have Ferraris in, in airplanes. That's just not possible, right? And part of what we want uh, to really, uh, <laughs> it's not possible. Like, oh, that's I, a good point. I mean, that, all, that's why that's part of these why fucking business gurus and shit. I mean, all across Instagram and stuff. I mean, they've taken this model and exploited they're con it men. past yeah. any type of registration of the mind and yeah. then you get sucked into it yeah you, and then you say it's well i heard they fuck people but they fuck over people but it's not going to be me mm. and then and, you go with that and then yeah. you it, and and it and it's crazy because it's so effective it still works to the person that even knows it's brain that is it, but it's brainwashing yeah it's fucking it's 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 using uh cult like um communication tactics uh, to take it to exploit people when they're most vulnerable, looking for some opportunity. You know, it's like Pinocchio um, getting carted off to the island, and then everyone turns into a fucking donkey, yep. and then he's swallowed up by the whale. Right, and everyone right now is getting swallowed up by the whale. I'm going to a better place, and they still want to pretend like they're not in the fucking belly of the whale. And I'm like, yo, we're kind of in the belly of the whale. But guess what? We still have power, right? Because there's some podcasts coming out right now. They're going to reach the consumer. Um, you know, I can kick a ball down a hill. And the next thing you know, there's like a couple hundred people going hard on an idea or topic that's bothering them in this industry. And then that affects the bottom line. And I think at some point we're going to have to convert some of the chads over to the other side of the fence. It's like, yo, dude, like, I know we're difficult to deal with, right? I know we're challenging, right? I know we're like the uh, half brother that you grew up with that you don't want to invite to the family fucking picnic. I get like it. Stepbrother. Yeah, whatever. Well, right? I we get always it. also don't go with what everyone said. Like, yeah, let's all I go left. It. And it's like, it. should we go left? Yeah, I get I get we're it. Those guys. I get it. But the path forward is for them to open up and sit down and educate us on the scams they've been running. All right. Like why don't every corporate business guy, um, the conversation that you're having with all of yourselves, like start having it with us. So we know the playbook a little bit better. We agree to work with you because you have all the resources. 
you know, let's do something cool together where we can get the funding to do something right. Everybody can win. And then we can influence like the federal government, right? And not have to scam. And not have to scam. And maybe you don't have to sell to Big Tobacco. Maybe you can become bigger than Big Tobacco if you work with us and the and the companies that have been poisoning the people without any recourse we can create a new company or a new organization of companies that can do something a little bit different because every single one of us has had somebody in our family that has died of cancer i've had two people mm-hmm. all right and one was my mom all right and my brother and i spent the my childhood in uh with my brother uh at six having cancer and this isn't a part of my cannabis story this is a part of my life story And I spent my childhood with Make-A-Wish kids and in the Miami Children's Medical Hospital, right? And feeling death at eight, right? So maybe that's why I'm the way I am. Because that was like how, what I saw, you know? And then I came out of that, didn't socialize very well with a lot of people because I was like watching young children die and my brother and all that, right? So, you know, we could just do better. Navigating through the space, let's yeah. say as a brand, a grower, whatever, right? All growers are still brands, right? You still have to rep yourself, rep what you do. Uh, so let's say brands, because some well, there's so many tastemakers in the industry right now where growers sometimes just want to grow. Now you have someone like a Doja or some of these guys yeah. that are able to. So you're a brand and you're trying to enter the market. You're trying to actually make moves. I mean, where do you see the pitfalls being for guys like that? Like for move, which guy? For, for, for any brand trying to kind of like. Well, Doja's a marketing company. But I mean, like, let's say you're a you grower know? and you're a brand as well. Like, where are the pitfalls that are happening? Like, because I, I know you've seen a lot of the stuff ha- going on in the oh, industry. Like, going, um, I mean, the number one is, gro- is, is, is growing more than you can sell. Like, overestimating your market, not looking at, I mean, part of that just has to do with the disruption that's going on in the industry. Like, people start having success and it looks like it'll keep going, but consumer behavior is changing from so many different influences that are all changing all at the same time. You know, so my, my advice is that you're going to have to diversify your revenue. You know, the flower might be something you break even on hopefully. And then you have to do more around it because what we're trying to build is not a product company. Now we have to build a new culture. All right. And then from that, like we're, you're already doing it. You're already doing it. Like you can't wait to get back in the grow, but This might be the most successful thing you fucking do. Sorry. Yo, what up? It's Blackleaf. I'm here at Grow Generation. And guess what? Drip Hydro storming the market. All the best growers I know are switching to it. And guess what? There's a reason. Because it's preserving terps. I keep hearing that. Preserving terps. And that's why we're here with Sunshine. Facility advisor, facility manager. Overall, the man with Drip Hydro. Listen to why it's different, man. What's going on, guys? Sunny here with Drip Hydro. Thing is, at the end of the day, we just wanted to make a simple, clean, cost-effective nutrient line that nobody has really seen on the market right now. Nobody uses really our chelation formulas. Uh, The micronutrients that we have pulled to make this line is really just what makes it overall bringing that consistency and quality back to what we want to see in growing herb again and overall at the end of the day it's still really light on your wallet it's a five-part nutrient line and again if you're not staying sterile or you have a big facility and you don't want to run rock wool and you want to run a mix of cocoa with an enzyme or something you don't even have to run flow with it so at the end of the day it's just saving you money on your wallet while bringing the consistency and the quality of terps back we wanted to bring the terps back and bring the soul back 
back to growing. Versatility, cost effective, and quality. I mean, what else can you ask for? Drip Hydro, first smoke of the day, Blackleaf approved. Peace. Damn, this place is huge. I gotta get what I need and get out of here, man. I'm in a rush. What? Whoa, Blackleaf? Oh, you already know. What are you doing here? I basically live here. Grow Generation, Can Filters, Power SI, Athena Products, Lux Lighting. Man, I mean, I basically live here. Grow Generation Store is the largest hydroponic store I've ever been to. It's crazy. The largest hydroponic retailer in the nation with over 60 locations, so you know they got one near you. It's growgeneration.com and at growgeneration on Instagram. Tell them first smoke of the day sent you. But guess what? Are you, it's funny buddy. you say this because I had someone come up to there and like, yeah, first smoke of the day podcast. They're like, uh, are, do you grow? <laughs> and it was well, funny to me because that was for the first time ever. Yeah. Someone's known me for anything other than, oh, yeah, you're a grower. But, but, but being able to understand the plant and also being like an avid consumer and understanding quality, mm -hmm. right? That's, that, that's important to be able to uh, understand the voice of the producers, the innovators, and the consumers. So you, if you're gonna do that, you have to participate in some of those aspects at some side, and then you create a platform. Now, not one of the things I'm seeing right now, which is a little concerning, is everyone is doing the same thing. Which now, like people have asked me why I haven't started a podcast. It's like, well, because everyone's doing a podcast, right? Now, I don't know if I wanna be married to that if everyone's doing that. Like, I wanna start a fucking revolution. I don't wanna start a fucking podcast. That's what I wanna do. And I would like to do it without violence. And I would like it to be awesome and hilarious. There we go. And I like for it to be like a joyful thing where we can change, change, change the fucking trajectory of shitty things without it feeling terrible. Because it can. We live in a world of unlimited possibilities. That's my imagination. So that's what I'm going to try and do. You know, and it's going to be outside of the garden. But my understanding of the garden is going to help with that, right? Because then I can talk to a grower. Um, probably what I need to work on more is being able to communicate more with consumers. So I think as a grower, one of the biggest pitfalls is they're not communicating with their consumers enough. I think some of the shops in New York are creating the pathway for that, right? Um, there's a few shops, I'm not going to highlight them, but if you, if you look through some of the shops that are working media, they're actually doing the retail market the way that the licensed retail market should be doing it. And I enjoy reading their posts and I enjoy looking at all of it. There's not one licensed retailer that I look at that captures my attention. It's completely boring, sterile, has no heart, has no life at all. I'm sorry. Maybe I'm missing some, but I've looked at a lot and it all fucking sucks. Right? So I'm looking at, so the, the group that I'm thinking of right now that's doing it really well, I was like, can we do more of that? Let's make sure that they stay alive. If that means they need to be licensed, so be it. But like, let's keep the heart going. Let's keep the style going. Let's keep the platform going. And let's let that grow. Because the reason why podcasts are growing is because it's working, right? But at some point, like, we got to do more than just talk to each other. You know, we, can we need to talk about ideas. We need to have the dialogue. And there's going to be a few podcasts that are going to stand out for that. Some of these podcasts have just become another grift for people to um sell their fucking cultivation self-help manual right where it's like they've just ripped from other consultants and compiled it all onto a website or a patreon and then they 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 just kind of borrowed all that information and didn't include the people that taught them that i have a fucking problem with that too that's not collaborative right it's short-sighted 
Because those people that brought you that information, they're still learning new things. And now they're not going to share it with you. And you might be the guy to put it on a website and market it and be like that interconnect, but include them so you can continue to create content, content that's meaningful. What I see is recycled content because these people are not originating the information, the ideas, or the knowledge. They're just taking it, right? And then that kills the heart of the person that's doing the discovery. Like there's, there's visionaries, there's scientists, uh, you know, there's, uh, there's freaking explorers, right? We want to include all of them. And when they come up with something cool, we want to share that so we can build upon all of it, right? Like we're not Edison, you know, let's be Tesla. I mean, we all, everyone romanticizes all these people online, but then they behave like the person that they talk shit about. Stop. You know, that's, that's my argument. Otherwise, it's just not gonna. It's not gonna be as fluid, and technology is moving faster than our like emotional and spiritual and mental development. Where does that go to? Nothing good. We're seeing it now, you know. So uh, basically, don't let money be the motivator, which is a very difficult conversation. But no, 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 I'm not saying that. But I mean, for certain people, because I feel like that's what where people are, aka, selling out or making deals that aren't in the culture's best interest. It's only in their best interest for a short-lived period of time to- No, no. The, the, the money has to be the motivator. Okay. Uh, like, like, but, but what I'm looking at is how do you make sustainable money? Right? I don't- Like, is there a way of, of reducing the ups and downs and the volatility and being a, um, you know, being at the effect of your environment? Right? Can I affect the environment or is the environment going to be constantly affecting me? This is why we've seen so many people come and go in this space because the environment affects them. And the space has been almost engineered for that and we're supporting it. Right? But meanwhile, all the cool things like crop steering, crop steering came from um, a lot of Ramsey and Josh right? Working with cultivators and teaching them techniques that they were, that they learned from tomato farmers that shared it with them. And they found the crossover into that, right? And then they were able to create and participate. I don't know, but they were, they participated in that in the sensor company in Arroyo and all that. And that's completely changed the game, right? Where people have, you know, overall not struggling as much at creating like quality commercial cannabis. I'm going to make the argument that you know, it was a positive. It was a positive. Yeah. For cultivators in some respects. Now, I don't think, I don't think we stop exploring at that point. What about for smokers? I don't, I mean, that's, I don't think like you just made an, you just gave a look. I don't know. I'm just asking. I, I, I don't really like crop steer rock wool grown weed. And I mean, sometimes it's good and sometimes it's not that great. And I, and I, and I think EC stress, um has a place but again i think that the best uh fertilizer is the footsteps of the farmer right so those are practices that you use based off of understanding and having a relationship with your garden and your plant now what those practices are now being doing is they're being deployed at scale with these mega grows right where you don't have people paying attention to the details as much and they're relying on a sensor like every thousand square feet which will show you some trends but it's not going to give you enough 
right? And then I see people that like put sensors on everything and then their garden looks like a fucking circuit board. What living thing is going to like imagine are you if if I had a ton of sensors on you for the beginning of your, you know, from baby all the way, are you going to like be stoked and fucking like hiking up 14,000 foot mountains and doing epic shit? Probably not, (laughs) you know, so you know, and, and we really don't understand the the value fully as cultivators of the plant. Like we're we, we're basing it off of aesthetics and and yield per square foot. Uh, but there's plant esters that um, you know highly more potent and concentrated in creating effects than terpenes in some respects. Um, so there's all there's all different types of flavonoids and things that create uh, the experience and the compounds. And overall with a lot of the indoor weed that I see, it's all kind of chasing the same kind of look and feel. But when I meet someone that's exploring and I try their weed, um, I'm like, what did you fucking do here? You know, like, and then I get to learn about how they're tweaking uh, manganese at a specific time and what they're doing, you know, and then we have this, the spectrum thing is cool because I'm seeing morphology differences from using spectrum. So not, so so for me, like my batches are gonna be more hit or miss than anybody because I'm exploring. And to be honest, like I'm losing because of it. And I have other things to bring in revenue to support me exploring. And what I'm fighting for for myself, my self-interest in this, is I want to be able to afford to continue to explore in the garden, right? That's what I love to do. I like to play around with all these different types of things, right? But both where it's at right now, it's like, well, I might as well throw high-pressure sodium in the room and just keep growing lemon cherry gelato. And then I'm going to automate it and I'm going to step away from it. And then there's no more me in the garden. And then what am I that, that, like, there's nothing new that's going to come out of that. Right. So I'm thinking of a way of creating a space where there's like a collaborative shared effort where we understand the value of what everyone's doing. Right. And then we have to be, you know, real with people who aren't bringing value to the table too. You know, it's like, Hey, this might not be your thing. Cause there's a lot of people that are in love with the idea of growing, but like, you know, they kill every fucking plant they touch or they're just not paying it. Like I've met a lot of guys like that. And I'm just like, I'll have them defoliate a tray just to see if they got it now. And I'm just like, oh, like that's not your thing. It's fine. It's okay. Like, you know, there's a lot of things that I'm not good at. You can usually tell um, by the way someone handles a plant. Yeah. Just by the way they move it around or pull a leaf or touch it or feel it or like just that you can tell like, oh, this person might be good in the garden or like, wow, they just. They just have no connection. Yeah, and that's it's right. Not on them, it's just it's certain just a, people have different connections. Like, yeah. right? So, yeah. But yeah, it is. We all have like we all have a position to play. Yeah, in the garden, but that might not be like the gardener. Even outside the garden nowadays, the tastemaker curator position I hold right next to me personally the garden because like some yes. growers don't know how to pick a keeper to save their life. It's hard. They're like, yeah. I'm like, that's what you picked is the keeper. Yeah. Like, like I work, I work hmm. with a, so I brought a guy on uh, with Beanstalk. Uh, so he's our director of sales. His name's Ernesto. He's the man. He is, he'd be someone that I would consider like a real, he could be a curator of sorts. Right. And when I've brought him like batches of product uh, that I, that I'm attached to, cause I like invested time into, he like flat out tells me like, yo, sorry, bro, but this is a trash run. And I'm just like, and I, and I'm, I'm never not fuck you. You know, I'm still fuck you, but he sticks with me on it. And, but when he tells me it's good, I'm like, okay, cool. (laughs) You know, I know it's a hitter. I know it's a hitter. And then I know that like, there's the marker. So I got to take my notes from that run 
and, and start to improve on that. Right. And he's somebody that I could bring like, you know, a pheno hunt. Like when I do a pheno hunt, it, I'm looking mechanically, I'm looking maybe a little bit more from an engineering standpoint in some respects. I don't consume as much as I used to. Right. So I'm trying, I'm looking for, uh, I have a pretty heightened sense of smell. That's one thing I can say. So if aromatically, it can look at things. But when it comes to an effect, like I really don't like the effect of rainbow belts, but a lot of people like the effect of rainbow belts. I don't like how I feel when I smoke rainbow belts. So everyone with the rainbow belts, and that's fine. That's just me. That's my chemistry, right? But the market loves belts right now. And growers love belts. Growers love smoking their own belts, <laughs> right? Is that not like everyone's wanting to show off their new belts cross run, right? So that's cool. That's awesome. Because they want to find a Skittles that doesn't grow like Skittles. Yeah. And Skittles is ugly generally this is hard it's hard to find that same thing yeah it is and belts is belts you if you nail belts belts is really pretty archive is behind so many brands that like i meet growers who have phenomenal lineup and i'm like what is this cross and they'll always pull me (laughs) but it'll be like oh man i hunted i hunted down this and this from him and this is what actually this whole line is it's it's like I've run into like three growers one time in a week where everyone told me their like heavy hitter was an archive that they renamed. Yeah. And I was like, holy hell. It just made me realize like, oh man, this is a microcosm of like the whole industry. Yeah. And they don't rename them well, like Wosi Wo. I mean, that's a great cut of Dosi Do, right? That's, is that really a cross of the, I like, think it the might white? be the white. I don't know, though. I don't That's know. That's the mythology, right? I didn't grow it. Yeah. Because all you have to do is add like one more little step from what the breeder did, and then it's yours. How about this? How about we just acknowledge that selecting a pheno is equally as important as mm-hmm. selecting a, a parental lineage? It is. Yeah, it definitely is. Yeah. Some people, do, I mean, to have help picking a keeper in the garden is essential, you know, because there's times where we'll smoke things and I will have been like, eh, I don't know. And he's like, I, I think it's fire. And I'm yeah. like, okay, it's a winner or vice versa. I'm like, this thing's badass. This thing's fire. And he's just like not feeling it. Yeah. And in the long run, I don't think it works, you know? And it's like the, that just emerged in the industry, in my opinion, like that's, but, it, but it, well, you know, what's awesome about it. And there's also some trappings in it. It's like, um, uh, there's been like, this thing I've always thought about, like, maybe I won't be a rock star in music, but maybe I'll be a rock star in weed. And in some respects, I'm like the underground fucking punk rocker and weed, right? And that's cool as shit. Like, but then I think about like when you come out with a new drop or a new pheno, that's like a new, that's like a new track. Yeah. Right. Sometimes it hits and sometimes it doesn't. Right. And I would look at like Doja's A&R. You need a hit to you know? make an album. Yeah. If yeah. you're a grower right now, like I, someone I watch close is like Wizard Trees. Yes. He's a and good now, dude. You yeah. know, with a few hits, like he can, yeah. he's making an he's album an now. Yeah, he's making total. an album now. 100%. And it's like just a few yep. hits and good showcasings of your work and you get that platform to now create. Yeah, and, the, and the best music comes from the streets. Yeah, because the people are going through shit. Yeah. The best music comes from people that are going through shit yeah. typically. So I look at a plant as a song, right? Yeah. I look at it, I look at it like there's, there's, there, there, give a there we go back into the patterns, right? I gotta give a shout out to Fire Farmer yeah. on his uh, strain box. Mm-hmm. All new phenos and great. he collabed with different brands almost as if they were features. Yeah. You know, it's a mixtape. And yeah. it's, it's all his keepers from super cool. But, you but know, look at, and but see, awesome. you see the pattern in that, right? So then we look at how that created like movements and music and hip hop and different kinds of rock and all that kind of stuff, right? Now let's look at like what went wrong with the music industry, 
right? Because that's what's turn. That's what it, in a way it's turning into. And it's you, not shifting back. You could say the Chads yeah. are the record label, right? And then what ended up happening, it, it like dissolved the container for monetization. <laughs> and now we have Spotify and all the streaming services, which is great, but it's hard for musicians to make money the same way that they could have before, right? And then it, it didn't, it now what's happened is that corporate interest has taken over Spotify and the streaming services and they're still not making money. But if they hadn't taken over the streaming services and the artist developed it before the label, and it wasn't some fucking revenge on the nerds tech guy, right? We could have had a pretty cool fucking option for artists. Now all my musician friends are struggling to, to survive where they might have had an opportunity to like really level up. Well, that's the pattern I'm seeing in music. That's the same pattern I see in cannabis. So my thing is, can we develop Spotify before the weird beta nerd guy sells the idea out? to the chads, right? And sorry, weird beta nerd guys, but like, you know, let's climb a mountain together. Let's do some fucking shit outside together. It's a you tough know? one to answer. Yeah, because it's like, what is it? What's the platform? You know, well, we like, need that. We what need problem. Are you but, tackling? But we need to include basically what it is, is we need to like, honestly, we need to like get multiple people at multiple levels in the same room and form some type of committee and Correct. base it off that, Correct. you know, and Correct. there's got to be some type of understanding under in the underlying principles of this yep. committee. Correct. And we just have to trust those people then. And then, and then as history goes, it shows that what happens then corruption, you know, like within but, the committee. Right. And it's like, it begins to be this thing. And it's like, it's kind of in all facets of life. If you think about it, it's about who, you know, not what, you know. Right. And it, that comes down to just the people and people rely on those social statuses and situations but, to kind of like keep it going. Like you're saying, you know, and it's, but sometimes you do get like one iteration of that. That's an example that, that show that shows that progress is possible. I mean, we wouldn't have this country if it wasn't the case, right? We wouldn't right. have uh, all of this. That's all of the good things that got, got created off of the principles that this country and these principles were based off of this country was based off of philosophical ideas, right? Universalities, first principles, right? So if we can't come in a room and come up with like 10 things that make sense and we're like, yo, we're going to try and stick with this. We're going to let them evolve as the market changes and we're going to continue the dialogue, right? It's when people start pick up where fragment. we left off. We have, if when things fragment, we lose dialogue. That's when certain other interests come in, you know? So you could say that like in a lot of respects, I've been out there creating more fragmentation, right? But it's been intentional because it's not put together right. So we got to like break it apart and put the pieces back together. Right. But we need to have these, these kinds of just conversations and dialogues. And then we need to sit down with uh, people that are willing, mm -hmm. you know, like I would sit down and, and talk with anyone that I've trolled or memed or hurt and, and they could, you know, other than trying to throw a uh, swing, a fucking punch at me. Cause I see a lot of these guys like just spending all their time in the fucking boxing gym now, like they're going to get into some street fight. Like that's not, dude, that's not the point. Like oh, let's just Zuckerberg. Let's, yeah, all Zuckerberg. Yeah, Zuckerberg's fucking. Zuckerberg film. spends the most out of anybody on bodyguards and protection. Nice taking MMA and shit. It's yeah, just I, like he's, a, he's well, in it, well, man. But, 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 but you understand, there's a psychology getting a hundred feet of that dude. Mm -mm. No, but there's a psychology. That's what they say about Conor McGregor. If too. you do, you got to sign an NDA right away. <laughs> I, I know, right? Well, we got to stop signing NDAs. <laughs> oh, there you go. 
Don't sign NDAs. If, if they make you sign an NDA, don't take the deal. Ooh. That's one act of corporate civil disobedience we can do. Stop signing NDAs. Why do you think it's designed for the continuance? They don't matter that? unless you have the, the money to pay for the lawyers to fight. And we don't have the money to pay for the lawyers to fight. So why would we fucking sign something if we can't defend our intellectual property? Good point. It, yeah, that's, that's a great point. Basically, you're going up against a massive corporation, which you're trying to sign with or you're trying to partner with. And then if, God forbid, you get in this dispute, you think you're going to be able to beat them in court? Or, or even better, if I've, if I've discovered a really bad actor, right, in the industry that's running a scam, I can't talk about it without the threat of being sued. Right? So if, like, fucking Satan shows up, I couldn't let you guys know that Satan's in this company right now. Like, for real, he's got the horns. I saw his wings, right? I couldn't tell you without having to go to court. And I've already been to court, and it sucks. I got sued for 50000 in one lawsuit and $5 million another. You know, and I won. And, you know, but I don't want to get cocky, because you're not going to win them all, and then someone like that can bury you. And unless there was a community around that fight, it's, it's a pretty miserable place to be in and pretty scary, and most of the time unwinnable. The fortunate thing is it just... I took a lot of notes and I backed up all of our communication because there were red flags. I was like, this guy might sue me. <laughs> you know? So I need to document everything. So I documented everything arduously, which also sucked because then I'm not focusing on trying to support the success of his company. I'm trying to focus on how I can get out of this without him destroying me while he's destroying his company. What are the first red flags you start to see? Not, you know, for dishonesty. Any- okay. Um, substance abuse, mm-hmm. especially opioids or speed. We really have to probably have a, co- a good conversation about speed and how that affects decision making. Like, there's certain substances that speed we- is in any, any, any kind like of meth or. Well, they're all in the same category. I would even throw cocaine in that category. I think this industry Math, co- just uppers. In I general. think this industry has a cocaine problem. I think the fucking. I, I think know a lot world. of people. That kind of, yeah, yeah. I yeah, know, yeah. I know, I know, the I know. And, and, and I don't have. Yeah. I don't have a problem with cocaine. Like I don't. But it's just you can't bring it into the workplace. Like you, you can't keep a level head. Like no, it's the kind of like the same thing with like basically anything except weed. We, yeah. The reason I smoke weed and a lot of it is because it's sustainable. Well, still, yes and no. I can still have a yes life. Yes and no. Right. For I would, now. I would, right? I would argue that it has to do with the context and how it's being used. Right? Right. So I have, I have observed situations with myself and with other people where cannabis is not serving like the fucking goal. And it's actually a detriment. It's not for everybody. Well, no, it's not for everybody, but it, it, it might not be for everybody all, every moment of every day. Right. Mm-hmm. Like there's, you know, there's times where like I just create an intentional space for it. Like this would be a good space for it if I wasn't going to be talking so much and you and I were just going to be shooting this shit and there was going to be a camera and the opportunity for me to really fuck up what I'm saying. Right. Like I got to be on my game when I'm talking about this stuff because it really matters. And uh, you guys would give me the space to fuck up, you know, in a, in, in a close circle. But we're doing it this way. So the point is that um, I just see, first of all, the cocaine isn't pure. Right. Like, there's a lot of other stuff in the cocaine. So when you say cocaine, I also think meth, because I think that's also cut with meth. 
if we're getting like coca leaf or real like if there was like a refinement in the process of a cocaine because cocaine is an incredible substance that can offer a lot of benefit we're just not getting it right we're getting something else that's my argument on that right same reason why like i used to smoke weed with sprayed with raid and i'd fucking throw up or have a pant like you know go through hell or whatever you know like those reggie packs and all that kind of stuff where you have bad experiences we don't i don't really don't have bad experiences on cannabis um never you know rarely. i used to in the prop 215 days you know i'd go to like some of the sketchy valley dispensaries to drop off some pounds and they'd be like bro you got to try out the skywalker and then I'd be like driving back to the valley i pull over the side of the road be puking my guts out and I'd be like what's happening i'm like green and i'm poisoned i'm like what was on that <laughs> You know, and then I go to the grow and I see every bottle on the fucking wall. I'm like, oh, shit. <laughs> you know, so, but we're, that's not where other drugs are. We need to actually bring all of them into the fold and figure, like, they're, in, in some respects, otherwise we're going to keep getting things like methamphetamine and fentanyl. Those are just going to keep developing and we're going to keep losing more people, you know, that get caught in that. So, but the, we do have to have the conversation about, like, all right, you know do we want to just party and have the quick success or do you want to like you guys are doing this because you want to have a long-term success you wouldn't have been setting up the studio and doing all this awesome shit if you don't want to have a fucking career out of it right so there's people who want to have a career out of it there's people that want to like make money and party all right and then there's people that think that they can make money party and have a career out of it my argument is that like you know party less right or lose it you know, because show me an example of someone that like partied that much and that hard and won. Like they're all fucking behind the music, fucking horrible stories and half of them died too young. And their kids grew up fucked up. You know, and are dancing in front of TikTok like Corey Feldman on fucking YouTube. <laughs> Makes me think of the saying, uh, live a purposeful life. Exactly. Yeah. And, you know, that's it. And we just don't want to be in a situation where like any substance has the power over us. Like it's a tool for us. It's not like something that we, like I know people that like, they can't have, they can't eat unless they smoke weed before and after. I like how you put it, it's a tool for us. It's something you use to get something exaggerated or a better feeling or a different feeling or a relief from or whatever. Shift your vibe. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Versus it it controlling you. Yeah, a lot of my ideas and thoughtfulness comes when I like, I use cannabis mostly by myself now. Mm-hmm. And, you know, sometimes I'll just be goofing <laughs> off playing NBA 2K, you know, whatever. Sometimes I'll be playing guitar. Like, you guys see me, I get high. I think it's a good idea to fucking position the camera right below my crotch and play guitar. And it's a terrible camera angle, but it's because I'm fucking high, you know, or whatever. You know, it's like the whole thing is like, but that's the whole, that's what I get out of it. And then I'm, my writing has developed, my thought processes have developed. A lot of the posts I put up that are more vulnerable because I'm really stoned when I put that up. So I'm like more in the flow and less afraid of what people will think of me, right? There's a huge benefit. It like can open up your entire heart to other people, right? I think it's a great benefit for couples. I think so too. Yeah. Yeah. But it might not be a benefit for you to be vulnerable in front of people that are looking to exploit you. And maybe you should be fucking sober when you sit down and have those fucking meetings. Yeah. When you're reading through that paperwork and trying to figure out what this, something so simple. You got to have somebody. You have to. That you're on the same page with on some like, you know, core connection, you know, like, hey, you know, we're on the same page. Yeah. They got no vested interest in anything else. That's where it gets tricky, though. No, no, you wait, wait, explain that to me again. I don't understand what you're saying. 
You have to have somebody there have with some, you. Yeah, you have to have somebody no, with your best interest in no, mind. No, 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 no. That's where everything goes wrong. You have to have your own best interest in mind, and then you have to have Absolutely, everyone else. But you got to get it checked over again. Oh yeah, you have to get it checked over, but you also have to learn about it. Like when when you ask somebody if it's good, why is it good? That's your next question. Like if someone just said, "Yeah, it's good," that's every fucking bad contract that I've signed with my lawyer. And like, I lost 1.3 million, all right? Because I missed one line in a fucking contract, all right? And this company was able to fucking take the equity that I had earned from building their entire fucking cultivation with the team that we put together together. Like I handpicked out most of the team, right? Moved my whole family out there, spent two years putting together, hit every fucking deadline, exceeded every yield metric. And followed their direction as best I could to the T, hit every single thing in my contract and went above and beyond, gave it my all, right? And when they, which I can't talk about, when things went sideways, right? I had earned that equity. I decided this wasn't the right situation. I wanted to leave and sell that equity, all right? They, they somehow were able to take it back through some operating agreement that wasn't in my contract, that was, un- that was their management company's operating agreement that was referred to in a very uh, ambiguous way in one line in the contract. And I thought I was gonna be able to leave. I wasn't gonna get the total value, but I was gonna get enough to be able to reset myself up. I came back here broke and had to start over. And I spent three months depressed trying to figure out what had happened. I didn't take care of myself. Right. And I trusted my lawyer who did his best, but we're all human. Didn't see it. Missed it. And then my desire to like get the deal done, which took me nine months to negotiate. I was building the company while I was negotiating it. That's my mentor's biggest thing he says. He goes, You get blinded by wanting it, wanting it. 100%. I want this to work out. I want this to happen. This, and you blind yourself to certain parts that are red flags. Correct. And, and the precedent had been set up in that company. Like, I had to fight for what I, what I thought was a fair deal. And when it came time to pay the bonus, that was when I left, is when they basically had a meeting with me where they weren't going to pay me the bonus. And I was like, hey, can we set up a meeting to talk about your bonus? I'm like, yeah, it hasn't shown up yet. What's going on? Yeah, we wanted to talk to you about that. That was when I put my two weeks in. You know. And then everything starts to crumble. For them, too. Oh, okay. Because I was putting all myself into it, right? And there had been a culture of deception, right? And they, everyone, they, they, I, a lot of people bought the lie that they spun, right? I did. You know, it was, it was crowdfunded, you know, um, a husband and wife. They had to fight the state to get their license, right? The license didn't give it to them. They gave it to all the MSOs, but not them. It, but, and so the, the, the husband was smart enough to fight and found technicalities and was brilliant and figuring out how to flip it. And they won it and they were able to get their dispensaries and the grow license, right? It was, what a fucking Rudy story right there. So I came in and this is like, yo, this is the underdog. They would always say things like, we're, we're small but mighty. You know, it was a mix of different ethnicities. They were really like different ethnicities, different gender, all of that, like all good, you know, like everyone, that was the whole thing. We're going to be super inclusive. I'm like, yeah, right on. Like, I'm not like, sometimes I think things go too far in one way or the other, but we need to have everybody in the room so we can talk about it. 
Yeah. They're speaking right? your language. Yeah, yeah. They're speaking my language. So, you know, and, uh, they broke everyone's heart. Mm-hmm. They broke everyone's heart. And when I mean everyone, they mean everyone. And now a private equity company runs the entire company and they're no longer there. That's just wild. Bought it for pennies on the dollar. Pennies on pennies. I mean, they had an opportunity to sell the company for a lot of money and they had some fictitious number in their head that they were aiming for, right? And I would have come back and been able to personally fund this idea that I have, right? This vision. It's almost, it's almost like it's a good thing it didn't happen because I wouldn't be this fired up about it, right? It still hurts. I still go, oh my God, this is hard right now, you know, because I'm, I'm coming back and trying to rebuild in the middle of it all falling apart where I almost had just enough to make sure that like with the recession, the depression, all this shit, my family would be okay. So I still have that. I'm ahead. Is my family going to be okay? Right. That's what the first and foremost, right. And for your family to be okay now, that does take a lot of money. So I understand why people would sell out. Right. But I would like to create a format where they could talk to all the other families. I would like for them to hear it all. Right. And then the people that are failing, there's one thing I need from them. They need to be honest with themselves. Right. Because I hear a lot of people that are failing and they have a story for it and they blame it all. You got to take full responsibility for it. Let's talk about the experience. But if you're constantly like, this didn't work out, this didn't work out, this didn't work out because of this person, you know, I get it. Like that, maybe that's you. Maybe it's not them. And you got to have a contract yeah. these days. You got to have a contract. But so many growers, but, I hear on. it left and right. Like you, I'm, I hear these sad stories and I'm like, do you have a contract? No. They're like, man, it no, was no, my no. homies. Beyond beyond that, no, 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 yes, no, 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 no. Because it's whoever you sign it with has to be a legitimate you, person as well. Yeah. So, but the, it is without that, it's just like, you're going to enter a deal with a corporation without any contract. No, like, that's I, also not no, going to happen. No, no, I, at this, at the point where I'm at, I'm having a much more radical approach. There's no more contracts with any of these people. All right, we need to get together and start organizing in a way where we have, I am demonstrating that, that, I, that, that a small group of misfits on the internet can, can disrupt revenue in the millions of dollars. Blaze would be able to blackball people, be like, hey, these guys will literally fuck people over and contracts don't pay their people. That's, I'm saying it doesn't matter because you, if you haven't mm. made your money, like if you understand how, and Ivan, if Ivan could talk about this and share more about some of the legal things he's had to deal with. Mm-hmm. And at one day, I hope he gets to share all of it. Cause I have a little bit more of a, uh, not an understanding that would put him in any kind of trouble, but I have a little bit more understanding of like what happens. Right. And then they bleed you, right. They bleed you. And we're like, you don't have an, you're not going to have enough resources to fight for that. And then while then you're fighting a war and the war is all language right so if you're not if like i love language so i like to look into all these things but it's still tiring because it's legalese right that that's the that's the that's the wall that's the iron fortress they put up is it is a language that's been created about the rules that's hard to understand right so i want to rethink all of that and if we could all come together at least the people that um, and it, and it, and, and I'm okay if I'm just the one beginning the conversation and people take it over for there and I can go back to the garden. I'm cool with that too. I'll be at the table if people want me there. Like we all need to be able to invite each other on there. Like I'm not looking to lead anything. I'm just talking about it. Right. I'm talking about if we could figure out a way of organizing, maybe look at like what Cesar Chavez did, 
maybe look at what some of the people that have affected change that we don't read about often because it worked. They weren't assassinated. How can we always read about the guys that get assassinated? Right? Mm. Something to think about. But there's people that have affected change that haven't gotten assassinated and have made real change happen. If we look at the patterns that they displayed, right, we bring all that in, and then we create new terms for the deal. And I mean 100% all the way through. Like, I don't want to be seated inside of any other corporation ever in my life. When I hear people selling out and they're like, I'm just going to have to fucking, you know, eat shit for the next two years to get this paycheck. I never want to do that again. All right. It's going to be collaborative or nothing. And I'll go figure out something else to do with my life. Or I'll be poor. Or I'll be a thought terrorist. Because we have the control and we're about to give it away or people are passing it on and losing it. You, you are basically moving all your value on a, on a playboard that you have zero control over. And right now, because of the chaos of this industry and where we're at, and because we have still the voice of the consumer and it hasn't been sold to big tobacco yet. Or big pharma. Or big pharma, right? Mm -hmm. We are actually in a position that if we were to start talking with each other, holding each other accountable, not taking the joke so seriously, maybe laugh at yourself and say, yeah, you're right. We did do that. Don't spin some bullshit narrative or say, yeah, I can see how that looks like that. Let's talk about it. Right? You know, then we can open up a conversation. Now, some people are just going to want to are nihilists and want to destroy everything. They get exiled. They're not a part of us. If you're not going to bring any value to the conversation, fucking go away. You're gone. You're going to go extinct with everything else. Like you have to be bringing value to the conversation or bringing something to the table that's going to, you know, display something better. Right? Further them, further, further them, further them. Yeah. Convo, yeah. Further the mission. Yeah. Yeah. This is an outlaw cannabis movement. That's how I look at it. Or it just. You know, we know what it looks like, what it's going to look like, and everyone's bummed out. But I'm saying, why? Look, I've, I can give like two or three clear examples of how I've negati negatively impacted companies' bottom line when they've been behaving questionably. What could we do all do together? And we need to have principles around it so it doesn't get too dark and discredit the movement. Because that's one thing I have seen is people take it too far. You know, and ultimately the best possible outcome is if we can convince the other side of this that their way is not that great anyway. And if they're, you know, feeling more alive around us, maybe that becomes a little bit bigger than the materialistic game for some of them. And we can start influencing these ideas and our way of life into their way of life like a virus. Like what they were doing to us. Why can't we do the same thing? That's my argument. Damn. Are you in or not, dude? Oh, man. I got to say right um. now on camera. <laughs> <laughs> no, you shouldn't. No, you shouldn't. You shouldn't. No, but, but, but for real. But for real. This is the other thing I'm going to say. Everything I'm saying should be questioned from everybody in the community. That's why I put that poll up the other day. I think people are surprised how tight knit the community really is. Yeah. Cause there is a strong, like they, they see the online community and they're like, it's a bunch of people that hate each other and that talk shit. And then when you get to events, you get to like the puff con, you get Everyone's to the cool. Olympics and there's people exchanging yeah. finos. There's people yeah. talk like there, there's, there's businesses being built on the backside, yeah. fino hunts, brands, strains, 
uh, and you start to realize like, man, this is the top guy, all the, all the guys that really care. And this is their, their passion, wherever they are in the industry, even if you're just a connoisseur, the top connoisseurs, you know, uh, you have a say in what brands are growing. You have a say in where this whole thing's going. Yeah. Yeah. And we need to save our brothers and their family and our future sisters. You know, we need more women in this. We need more women in this industry are not hypersexualized. Mm-hmm. All right. I totally agree. We need to grow the fuck up. All right. That's, that's something that's another, that's another challenge. I'm going to bring all the men in, in this community. Is that like, yeah, like it's nothing wrong with a beautiful woman. All right. But how come like, how come the image of women in this industry uh, resembles more of sex work? My number one in Blackleaf, you know, we, Pat God's founder and she's, she's in there in the garden cranking every day. Yeah. Like she's, I mean, I'm seeing more some of, of the best, hardest yeah. work and most focused, you know, appreciates the smells and all this. Yeah. Like, I mean, just impressive, impressive I, work. I'm seeing more of it and I'm speaking like 13% of my followers are women. I love to see more of that. Like I learned about plants and gardening from my mom. You know, it was a maternal thing. Yeah. I could say that yep. like, grandma. I could right. say, I, I, I'm, I'm going to say two things. I'm going to fucking drop a bomb right now. Number one, like, uh, you know, it is like a feminine or feminine aspect when, when a man is working with a plant, like it's that's like a true. birthing process, right? It's true. That's where we get in touch with it. And then this is the other thing that's gonna be pretty gnarly. If you smoke a ton of cannabis, you're actually raising your estrogen levels. So you're getting better with the plant. <laughs> well, you're, you're, you're bringing in even that on a chemistry side, right? So then like there's this weird counterbalance to all of it that I think is just coming from the poverty complex, from lower socioeconomic levels, right? Where it's, it's like almost like we got to get our head out of like the strip club a little bit. And I know people are going to fucking look at me like I'm some tool bag for saying that. But at the same time, like, there's a time and a place. If you're a father and your daughter, is that where you is that is that how you want your daughter to be represented in the world? That's how I look at it. And you shouldn't partake, right? Not really. You don't want to feed that. Yeah. I mean, baby steps, right? right? Like if you own a strip club and you're responsible for like <laughs> 50 strippers' livelihood, then you're in a pickle. But that might, but the, you're but, in a pickle. Dude. Well, I'm, say, I'm just saying, but it doesn't have to be front facing in the industry. So you're never right. gonna have a poetry of plants like calendar. No, you know? probably <laughs> not. I mean, that's just yeah. not. I just I, like. Like the thing oh, about yeah. it is, it's just all part of the materialism, right? Yeah. And the thing is, it's like the other thing too with women. Like men, men, you know, you see a lot of older men with younger women because older men have re- resources and take care of it. But women, women uh, go through transformations after motherhood and their physicality changes, right? But that doesn't mean that, they're, that they don't have a ton of value and wisdom and knowledge and a role that's not just like hypersexualized. Oh, they're muses. Yeah. They, to the, I mean, it's a muse for some of the, the best businessmen, some of the most inspiring creative men on the planet. Their wives have played a centric role in like inspiring, helping create, you know, like having that behind you is, you know, a hundred percent, man. And there's, you know, there's healthy sexuality and all those kinds of things and all that. But like, I see women that are running companies um that really don't have a way of marketing into the culture what they're doing without sexualizing themselves and i'm just saying like if your path is to sexualize yourself great i think that's that that's part of the algorithm of social media and i think that's a problem that doesn't mean i have a problem with women um you know being sexual online it's just how it's all that you see all the time if you're seeing forty thousand images of a day of women that are just sexualizes sexualized that changes how your psychology looks at women in the real world. 
that affects your dynamic. If you're staring at videos of people like in violent, horrible situations all day long, because you can see that online, that's going to affect like how you, how you respond or react to the world. So we have to understand like what we're putting into our brain. And then we have to all understand how we want to present our products and market them. And it's evolving already. Where's that one packaging, right? That I wrote, that you tore up. But if we plug him. Which one? The fucking badass. Oh, oh, packaging. yeah, yeah. Shout Who is out. It? Yeah, yeah, new, yeah. Shout out the yeah, brand new like, uh, for, uh, Squints collab. This, yeah, this is awesome. I think that's something like, this is the Liz, right? This Liz the Taylor Liz, with a yeah. third eye. That's fucking cool as shit. The bag design is cool. Maybe there's some functioning aspects of the bag we talked about that would be a little bit better. Right. But I think that like for me, that appealed to me, even though it's like a classic image of female beauty. Right. It's not like the other day I saw some Mylar bag where it was like, you know exactly what I'm talking about. I mean, it was a the little bit of a joke. Loops. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that was crazy. People yeah. are taking it to They're a, taking it a too far. really weird place. But this is the thing that's going to discredit what we're trying to bring to the mainstream market. Right. And that's yeah, just my gonna, mom seeing that that would be or any any female to be that honest is that's a tough one. That, that was that was that, I, I would I would yeah, slap I that fool that made that fucking image. No, 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 no. You know what I mean? Because because it, it I get violence. <laughs> I get the humor of it. I get the extreme aspect of it. But I'm also looking at what it's going to create. Right. What if they say, well, everyone has a place in the industry. That's well, I'm sure everyone does. <laughs> I, everyone does. There, everyone does. Like 100%. Like, uh, do you know who Gigi Allen is? Gigi Allen was like a punk rocker that did fucking disgusting things. And okay, yes. Like, when I and like, I grew up like listening to Gigi Allen and watching all that stuff. And there was a time in my life where like that shit fascinated me and it was disgusting, but it was there was something about it that like that I learned something from, right? So I'm not like hating on all of it. I'm mm -hmm. just saying for us to like capture. For us to find the middle ground, right, to convert all these things, we probably shouldn't be putting on packaging women with their butthole spread open where Fruity Loops are coming out of their butthole. Like, like that, you know, I mean. Just guessing. Just guessing. Nah, yeah. You know, so yeah. I'm just seeing like, I see the trend going too far. And, I, and part of the thing that we have to talk about is like how we want to represent all of us you know, reasonably in this. We don't want to get to the point where everyone's got a thousand fucking names that they're calling themselves. Otherwise, we can't operate in the business because that's just too much. But like women should have a chance. People should have a chance to operate in this space, right? Where it's not going up against the hypersexualization of that whole paradigm. That's just an argument I would make. So like when we get to the table on it, you know, we, we're going to have to talk about all that kind of stuff. And there are some great female setting great examples like Meowie Jane. Totally. Miss Rad Reefer. Totally. You know, like I, I know there's a couple, there's more out there. There's but more. Like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Anna the, from Cam. Uh, yeah. Anna from Cam. There's the a godmother. just had her on. Yeah. The godmother of, yeah. of you know, <laughs> some, some fire strains. That's for damn Corner sure. That but, but yeah, you're but right. You, but it's, but it's, it's evolved and there's more segments of it, but if if we don't have that conversation with people that are at different levels with it, maybe have different feelings about it, right? Plus, there's also the whole human trafficking aspect of the illegal farms that we need to discuss. And when you're uh, objectifying women in that kind of a way where it's so dark and so grotesque, what's energy that's really connected to is human trafficking? And I'll make that argument as well, right? So we have to understand the energy of how all this stuff is connected. Otherwise, that then corrupts what we're trying to create together. So that's like, where the principles and standards really matter. You're basically like saying control the narrative and control like where this industry is going instead of letting it spin out of control in a thousand different 100%. ways. 100%. And we have okay. to do it intentionally and we have to do it reasonably where we can create a future, right? 
for us to have a, a chance in this business, uh, for us to have our products reach the consumer, and for the next generation, you know, the young bucks, mm-hmm. you know, the young bucks that are coming to this industry, early 20s that, that are looking at this and be like, God, I thought this was going to be my fucking career path. And I'm like, oh, I don't know anymore. What am I going to do? You know? And then they go like, you know, in their mid-20s, and they go work at, you know, one of the big MSOs and who doesn't, who doesn't follow safety protocols, who's too, moving too big, too fast, too bloated, too overwhelmed, you know? And then, horrible, you know, it's just not a good, you have a horrible experience, you know, it's a horrible experience. For a while, I thought tastemakers, uh, growers, right? Extractors. These are like players on a team and teams would totally. be like businesses, uh, you know, functioning cannabis businesses. And for a while I thought, and I'm not sure where it's going, but I'm, I'm uneasy these days, but I thought as teams collect certain players like the Yankees, like the Red Sox, like the White Sox, right? Your team gets stronger. You bring in the right extractor. You bring in the right solventless guy. Now you bring in the right grower who can grow flour. Now you bring in the right, you know, uh, you, you go on and on tastemaker who can start to brand these strains for the yep. grower and start to have these conversations about, man, you should cross this with this because right now the market needs this flavor and that thing, you know, these in-depth conversations about, and you're this is the same language that happens on a team about like how to play the game or how to move the ball. Right. And I just feel like that's where I saw it going and it, but that's only under the control of us because without having a guy at the head, right. The guy at the head of that company actually understanding, like I'm bringing these players on who all have different skills, but all have different like demands because this guy has a demand for his extracts. Now this guy has a demand for his branding. And now this guy has a demand for his growing. Now we're going to bring in this, you know, and you start to create this synergy within your business. There's so much less of that than I thought. Yeah. It's weird. And what you just described, how awesome is that? That's the goal of this industry in my eyes. So, so probably one person on the team that we didn't think about was someone that had a lot of wealth that didn't need more wealth and was looking to reinvent themselves through some kind of creative process by being a part of the emergence of a new industry that would have more things to offer to the world, right? So if there is a wealthy person out there that is done with exploiting, right? Because wealth at this point has all happened from some level of exploitation, right? And if they're willing to work on that, please hit me up. I love to talk to you. It's almost like saying, uh, let's make money out. with each other, not yeah. off of each other. But they, but the thing is, is like someone like that, maybe they already have everything that they could possibly imagine and they're looking to explore a creative process and they can teach us how to do this on the financial end in the ways that we don't understand so we don't fall in the traps that we can't see. My stepdad says there's like three or four stages to a, a businessman's life. Yeah. And that's only in the final stage. So giving back, teaching, providing service and, and, and not worrying about your bottom line as much. So we need a boomer. All right. (laughs) We'll make you a brand for, we'll make a brand for boomer. (laughs) The boomer brand. The boomer brand. No, I'm just saying that, but we, we, we do, we need like the fucking council elder. That's like, you know, that's like what tribes you to have. Like, like we would, it'd be like the old wise dude that was still fucking left. And he would like all the young you know, kids would be f- going through their transitions in adulthood and then there'd be like some fucking huge catastrophe and they'd go to him and be like, 
what do we do? And he's seen like 30 catastrophes and he sees them play out and he's like experienced levels of hell and heaven that we haven't got to yet. And he might be able to save us from some more levels of hell, you know, but we don't really listen to elders anymore. We don't have that dynamic, right? Or, 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 or the elders got lost in the materialism and they lost themselves and they didn't show up in our lives. I mean, uh, we're probably, we're the first millennials, you know, in a lot of respects as the fatherless generation, you know, with all the divorce and everything else. And this is the byproduct of that. That doesn't mean there aren't elders out there. You know, we just might not know how to find them or look for them. So we can call that out. If there are like business guys that want to come in and mentor that have already made what they need, like this industry could use some mentorship, you know? A ton. Yeah. So like what we've learned that's awesome about the outlaw world mm-hmm. that supports like some fundamental free market principles that have been lost in the other world can then be applied in some system with cannabis and be a model for other businesses to apply. You know, that's what I think about. That's the goal. I mean, that would definitely be the goal to have some type of accountability and, and, you know, all that, man, everything you're talking, you know, a lot of that is, is, is like positive. And that's definitely where we all, I think a lot of us hope the industry starts to go. It's yeah. just uh, having the conversations, the first step, yep. second steps, employing the ground rules, the, the workings of like, how do we actually start this, whether it's a board, you know, whether it's, you know, ha- how. I think it's through a support group. I think we bring people together that still have value, but are burnt. Like I just had a meeting right now with someone that has a lot of value, a lot of resources, and all he needed was a hug. And that's where it started. I'm like, bro, I feel you. Come here, dog. A lot of guys, the first guys through the door yep. of this industry, let's say 2006, eight, when they, the Colorado guys and the Cali guys, all the guys that started going through legalizations, the yeah. first guys, I feel like have a deep chip on their shoulder for the industry. I know a lot of them. Yeah, they do. And they're, they're yeah. like, they even have a chip on their shoulder for anyone in the industry because how hard the industry has been on them. Yeah. And I feel like that all comes from just us not knowing as much business and yeah. knowing more of like what we do. Yeah. And, and they may be the elders we need to be talking with. Right. Mm. So like some, I can think of like someone like Brad from 710 who's done a lot of self-improvement. Right. He's made good decisions and bad decisions. He's built an incredible team underneath him. Incredible right? brand. Incredible brand. He's already cashed out MSO. once. Yeah, he's already cashed out once in the Colorado thing. And then he rebuilt it again. Right? Like he would be a great option to to sit down and maybe do some mentoring. And then, you know, that might like lead into the conversation how it feels to be partnered with a cop on, you know, some like because they have that thing going on with the flowery grow. And then we could begin the, con- the conversation of what of the problems with that, right? As far as how it feels for everybody else that right now is, you know, it's like raw dogging a Brillo pad. When I hear law enforcement, you know, is profiting off of this and we still have people in jail and we have all this private equity stuff flying around. And the first thing I would think of is that any law enforcement and the cultivation or business side of this would have an unfair advantage of it towards anybody that's been fighting for this to be legalized in the first place. I mean, that's something we really need to have a discussion about. And it's not going to be a call where someone tells me how many people they're going to try and get out of jail. It's not enough. It needs to be all the people that are out of jail for cannabis, right? And I don't know how to go about that because maybe some of those people are dangerous. Maybe they're not. Maybe they become dangerous while they're in jail. Maybe there needs to be a program to bring them back and reintegrate them. You know, all of this could be a conversation on how we look at 
our incarceration system. Like this end of prohibition could be a huge opportunity on creating systems for transitioning how we incarcerate people. And we, you know, continue this cycle that's not working. If you go to LA or down the street, Oakland or any major city, you can, you can see that it's not working. And we're going to go into a swing of there being a tough on law approach, which is going to lead to more violence in the lower socioeconomic levels, because what's happening now has gotten a little bit out of control. So I think the end of prohibition and the incarceration questions around cannabis could lead to some solutions for the whole system, right? But we need mentorship. We need people that have navigated the business thing. We all have to be able to eat, right? We, we do, you know, we should have a little bit of abundance in our life for how much we've been working, you know, so we don't have to worry about the mortgage and the bills so we can focus on being creative, mm-hmm. right? So that's, I'm asking for help right now because I don't know what the answers are. I mean, I'm just looking at all the missteps I, I made along the way. And now I'm going, all right, I just need to talk to people. So that's what I'm going to do. Well, it all takes a team. Yep. No matter what you do, it takes a team. It takes a team all working towards the same goal. Yeah, and believe in the same thing. Uh, what do you think, how do we get a lot of the most talented cultivators and a lot of the most talented guys in the industry to start getting put on? Why, why is there a lack of communication between the guys in the industry who are in the rec side, right? Mm-hmm. And the guys that aren't. Why, um, I, see I, that, I see that shifting. You do? Yeah, I see that shifting through, um, I mean, you could argue, I mean, did anybody really know about uh, Dio before Doja? Did he have a presence in the industry before that? I would say that's an example. Now yeah. he's like worldwide, so it's tough worldwide. because he, he's everywhere. I mean. Yeah. But I, I would also say that like, um, you know, through the retail and th- through the retail and the curators, they're the ones that are putting it on. I'm starting to, I'm starting to see New York do that. So shout out to all the New York consumers, the New York people, the New York customers. Uh, you guys are really uh, requesting and demanding high quality and unique variety and supporting that. Right. So, I mean, thank God New York got through COVID and came back and, and it, you know, everyone thought that New York was done. Glad it's not done. We need New York. Some of the best shit in the world came from fucking New York, right? And in some respects, like LA and New York have like a have a back and forth dichotomy as far as how trends go. So, you know, I think a lot of that's gonna come out of New York. And I think we need to have the ability to do free commerce with New York and be able to work with uh helping teach the New Yorkers what we've learned so they avoid the mistakes that are coming their way. Cause you know, mm. we can see Steve D'Angelo's out there hustling his fucking scheme. I right. saw the Beard Brothers go in on him yesterday. Yeah, they weren't playing. Yeah, and They're, we need to talk. To, we need we need to have a conversation what, what, with Steve. What's up with, what's up with that? <sighs> That's a whole other podcast, bro. It, it's, a, <laughs> it's a long <laughs> story, but it's yeah. interesting. The Beard yeah. Brothers just posted up a lot, and they're like, "We can't keep quiet anymore." It was. It I don't was, think it's so. This is the other thing I was going to say. Like, if we're on a format like this, I respect this format. Mm-hmm. I think if we're going to talk about um, maybe some of the uh, thoughts or feelings around Steve D'Angelo. It can't just be someone sitting here spitting out what they think without mm-hmm. there being a basis of fact and, and like some kind of investigation that's non-biased. I'm not the guy to do an investigation on Steve D'Angelo because I am biased. Facts over right? feelings. Fact, well, because yep. it's not fair to him and we don't know the whole story, mm-hmm. right? And the thing is, is if, and it, the thing is, it's like there's enough out there um, that could probably hold him accountable for some of the actions that people think he's responsible for. But there has to be it has to be done the right way. Otherwise, it's meaningless and it's just internet gossip and it's blacklist 2.0. Yep. Action over reaction, man. Yep. I love it. 
I, I like what you're saying, man. I, a lot of accountability comes with a lot of what you're saying. Yeah. So should we talk about when I escape the mental institution on the next episode? No, let's keep no. going. We're there, bro. Whatever. You, I mean, no, let's no, keep no, going. No, I can't this. believe what it's been three months. <laughs> we actually have the, the yellow jumpsuit in the back. Yeah, we came gave, in gave some these clothes. Clothes. I was like, where are you coming from? Yeah. Man, you work at the hospital? I was all sweaty. You guys, yeah, I'm glad you guys had a shower in here. You know? What's Beanstalk? Yeah, so be, Beanstalk is a control release fertilizer. Um, that's, that's a success story for me. So I got hired to test out this fertilizer um, from two hustlers that had access to a capital partner and they were fleecing him and they were using the fertilizer company to fleece him. This is the story, right? What's fleecing? Like take, like embezzle money from oh, him, yeah. like use, like create budgets for things to just enrich themselves. You yeah, know? that's like the thing where like- uh, It's like the way of the new f- internet age businessman. I gotta tell you this story though. Well, it's how, how do you, we not pay exhausting. out dividends? It's yeah, we have an expense for everything. Uh, yeah, get, you know? get the, and that's, this is, that's where like gross comes in. It, and it's like, are you gonna really sue your own company to find out how much money yeah. they're really made? And then it's like, you know, I hear older businessmen say like, I could expense out everything and you, you I can make sure they never make any dividends. And it's like, well, shit, what? <laughs> so this was an idea that landed in, in my garden, right? But the thing that what I knew about it, this is what the amazing thing is. So the, the coding was developed in tandem with um, some, Na- some polymer chemists that work with NASA, and they developed this fertilizer to be able to be used uh, in gra- in without gravity, right? So in outer space or on different planets, right? And so it's, not, it's a polyolefin, so it's a different technology. The principle of the coding was developed around that concept, which is, which first, first of all, I heard that. I was like, that's kind of cool, mm-hmm. right? Then I found out the guy that was like fleecing, who's my partner now, had convinced, had somehow rented off of <laughs> my partner's dime some mansion in Florida uh, where NASA, where the Kennedy Space Center is and brought all of these NASA scientists together to pitch them in investing in this. like like ran a whole scam on all of them, right? So when it landed in my lap, I was just trying to figure out what was going on. And they, were, they basically had brought me in to try and keep the scam going to show that there was some kind of progress. That's the real story from my perspective, all right? So I'm like, well, they're going to pay me, you know, a month of time, a month of my like consulting to do this and I'll get to keep the product at the end, whatever. The worst that could be, it's like I tried something and it's terrible. So during the veg process, like I saw like a 33% increase in the veg vigor um, compared to the water-soluble fertilizer that I used, which was Jack's. So basically what they hired me to do is, was do a controlled experiment, um, which I was doing. And then when I saw the veg results, I immediately said, at the very least, it's the game changer for nursery production, right? So there's something to this. I hadn't even flowered it yet. So they had still owed me money. And they, things were shaky for them. So they accidentally um, leaked, they, ac- they accidentally revealed the information of the investor, who's my partner now, right? And I wasn't getting paid. There was something wrong with it. And I had to do a wire transfer. And he wasn't, you know, so I ended up getting on the phone with him, talking to him. And I got a better understanding of what was going on. And I said, my, my, I appreciate you hiring me. I don't know if I can continue to do this anymore with you. I think these guys are taking advantage of you, right? But I do see a lot of potential in this product. I don't think I want to work with them, but if you have any interest in continuing to do this, like, let me know. I'd love to, I'd love to work on the potential of this. There's some adjustments I want to make, right? So then he started contacting me and talking to me more. 
and I got more of an understanding of the situation. And when I realized that these were two dirt bags that were stealing from a guy that just, you know, was an investor, you know, one of these guys trying to get into the cannabis industry, right? But he was taking, being totally taken advantage of. I went on the attack and cleared those guys out of the house per se, like quickly. Like I was like, okay, scumbag, see you later, right? And then uh, I proceeded, and this was um, 2017, roughly 2018. Yeah, 2017. And then that this was this is project that I then developed, got to meet the chemists, got to start, you know, but it was all damaged because everyone had been hustled. So I had to repair the relationship of anybody that touched this product. I had to rebrand it. That's where the name Beanstalk came from. And I had to repair um, an idea and a product that had completely lost all reputation with anybody that was involved, all the way from the manufacturing partners to everything else. So it was just trying to get reformulations and improvements it took me like a year, right? And I'm still testing it, this and that. So this is something I thought there was potential on. And I liked um, the, the financier who's now my partner, who's a homie of mine for life, right? Shout out Eric. Um, he's another Florida boy, you know? So I, I stuck with this, right? And then started putting it up online and giving away some of the product that they had made to get more people trialing it, which was so hard because everyone looked at it. And they said, it's miracle Grow, right? I'm like, no, it's not. And then I have to start explaining polymer science. And that's like over everyone's head. And even Mango, uh, who's even Mango still calls it timed release or control release. Alex, you kill me, Mango. I love you. It's not timed or slow release. It's control release, not timed. So whatever. <laughs> but it's Mango. i know mango's a homie i've known mango for a long time i know alex for a long time but and 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 that he's part of the story so um uh you know it took a long time for me to convince people to even come look at the plants i was growing with it when i told them what it was like no one wanted anything to do with it immediately no bueno no good like this is a lawn care product go fuck yourself pretty much the feedback i got but i started having people try the flower i was growing with it and people were like, hey, this isn't that bad. You know, and I started improving it. I started combining with certain biostimulants. You know me, I'm exploring, right? And then I had a really banging run with it. And um, shout out to Justin from DSG slash Apical Biotech. He's been an, um, a great friend of mine in this industry. Tissue culture wizard. Like light years ahead, you know. Uh, I bank all my cuts with him. You should talk to him. All right. If he has time and space, he's pretty busy. But you know how it is. But he saw the product work, right? And we used it in the launch for P- in Pennsylvania and Pittsburgh. And he brought it. He said, Mango, you know, because I kept hitting up Alex and seeing if he want to try it. And Alex was like, no, I'm going to do my own fertilizer line. I'm like, you sure, bro? Because he was having trouble with some of the fertilizer lines. I'm like, this is easy. It could be a whole other thing. It's not going to be rock wool and you're a rock wool grower. Like, this is for cocoa guys, you know, and peat moss guys. It's like for the, like, it's a halfway hippie guy thing, you know? So he got involved. And then also Tad from Kiss Organics, right? So Tad is... Uh, Tad's has a, a store and a podcast that really focuses on the cultivation science, right? And all these other biological controls. And he's more on the regenerative side. And I think this product's kind of like an in-between step between dumping a lot of water-soluble fertilizer down the drain and the regenerative side. It's a baby step. It's not like we'll probably have to go closer uh, to some of the methodologies that the regenerative community um, is working on for our food crop production and outdoor cultivation, right? Indoor and factory farming is going to be indoor and factory farming. I don't have like a regenerative solution for that yet. And plus, like it, it creates a different type of product that people want. It's not the same as outdoor. We just, you know, everyone's like sun grown or salt, bro. I'm like, well, people like the salt weed. Sorry. Like 
I, I mean, but there's some outdoor that's good, you know, but again, the consumer sets the value, not where we grow, you know, that's, that's it. If all consumers wanted was outdoor, we'd probably be all growing outdoor right now, right? Full sun goes to rosin in my opinion. Yeah. But yeah. Well, th that's, that's a hot topic. Yeah. So Tad picked it up, um, and which was a risk for him because I, I insulted a lot of KNF farmers and, with memes, right? And he kind of represents the regenerative. I've insulted a lot of the woo-woo stuff. Like I make fun of it for better or worse, but there's truth in it. There's like a, there's good things in all of it. As long as they're not mixing some like <clears throat> mountain of sewage on your property. Ugh, stinks. No, no joke. Have you ever smelled like some of the KNF soups if they're no. not done properly? Oh, bro. <laughs> if you've got like a really tuned in nose, it's like, oh, you know? it's crazy to watch. That's yeah, for sure. Just to watch them brew it and make yeah. it. And, cut and then the some of them out. eat it. I'm like, oh, I mean, maybe, I don't know if I was really hungry. They'll say like, what would you, why would you give your plant anything you can't take? <laughs> and they'll drink some of this like stew that's been baking in the sun. But there's sun some truth to it. I mean, there's like four, I, uh, there's like four types yeah. of bacteria in the soil that are also present in our stomach and all these other kinds of, like, the, remember, patterns are parallel. The more we learn about it, the more we realize everything's connected. So they're on to something, you know, and it's really more about uh, proper use of practices, not whether a practice is, is, is wrong or right. Mm -hmm. Because certain things depend certain circumstances, but there is some truth in us moving towards closed loop regenerative farming, right? Um, you know, I've I, seen fire every different yeah, hundred percent. So salt, rock wool, cocoa, soil, hydro, uh, you know, on and on and on. You know, uh, every which way. Yeah. But, I mean, do you remember back when they were giving out Canadian stock, and it yeah. was like there's reverse mergers happening with big brands. I always wondered if you knew much about that. A little, like with Canopy and all that. Yeah, yeah. A little bit. Okay. I mean, I just saw it as a bad sign, but I was building other things and focusing on other yeah. things. It was yeah. just one. It was always interesting yeah. to me where I'm like, how are they? You know, th there were all these companies basically talking about we're going to go public and we're going to sell shares. But we're going to do it on the Canadian stock market with a legal company out of Canada yeah. because we're going to give them a percentage of our business. And now, now yeah. we're on the Canadian. And, and it always seemed like this, like, oh, that sounds like a big scam. Yeah, you I know? think. But yeah, I, that's I always just wondered if you knew about it. I, I don't I'm not. I would need to. That's something I don't. I just look at it as a big scam, mm -hmm. um, <laughs> you know, like you. But I don't know enough details on it. Mm -hmm. Like even when people and part of it is I'm just like, maybe I need to be more interested in it. But I haven't really been interested in the stock market, you know, as far as learning the mechanisms, because it's just like I already know who's in control to some extent. Um, and, but maybe that's that's my own ignorance. Right. Maybe if I could learn all that. I mean, I think it's interesting to see people manipulate the stock market through memes um, and the short selling and all of that. But um, you had a great page. Your page adds to the fun, man. If anyone's not following it, poetry of plants, you know, I mean, big time because we get into all that. Uh, we'll get into some more talk off camera on the Patreon behind the scenes. Uh, so like you know. after the podcast, we usually wrap and then we'll talk or, you know, kick it for a little bit, smoke one, whatever, relax, yeah. or, you know, and have some more dialogue uh, off camera, a little more intense stuff or, sure. you know what I'm saying? Whatever. But yeah, for you guys that don't know, now, you know, but yeah, poetry and plants, any projects in the future, anything you want to um yeah well uh yeah working with highline on uh we've uh, we've started a collaborative company together called highline genetics and we have a licensed uh 100 light so 420 light rooms adjacent to the nursery 
that's getting going right now. So that's what I'm going to be doing and leaving out of this. So that's going to be my focus. And then, uh, and then some other things that I'm not going to talk about yet, but it's going to be more media related and it won't be a podcast. So I don't want to jinx it, but it's looking like there's a pretty good team. Uh, shout out to Ivan from the Jungle Boys for, for hooking me up with these guys. But something that'll be like, you know, It'll be fun. <laughs> Some animated yeah. shit or something? A little bit of that. A little bit of... Uh, I think the, per- the point of it is to, enter- to do what I do with the memes, but like maybe in more of a narrative format where we're educating through you know, a little bit of disruptive comedy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sounds fun. Yeah, sounds we'll see fun. how it goes. Sounds like a I mean, war is being waged. <laughs> <laughs> it, does, it definitely sure does. does. It does. <laughs> It does. Shit. Let me stay out of that one. Line, <laughs> line in the you sand. Know. Yikes. Nah, you know. Um, but yeah, man. Where can they find you, man? Instagram. Uh, yeah, Instagram's that. probably the best way right now. That's like yeah. the format. Um, you know, I've got some, you know, some seeds. I got, uh, so I've done a few seed seed runs. There's a few things I've hunted. I'm looking forward to doing more of that with the cuts that we hunted this season with Highline. Um you're gonna have a couple packs of the ones that i think are special so you can hunt those when you get your spot going hell yeah they're right yep. on the table right up yep. here appreciate Looking that. forward to it appreciate you guys even giving them a whirl uh but we've been having good feedback from that so there's a discord server that i have as well called Supercuts, which is kind of a joke because it's like a place where people can trade snips you know i've got some snips that i offer and then it's a place where i you know i'm putting up limits he drops and then there's a website that's going to be like an online store for all of it coming online soon it's already built I just needed to find the right people to work with and get all those deals arranged, but I think we're there. So uh, it's going to be pretty cool. So that and, you know, Instagram pretty much, you know. Any advice to any of the young guys coming in the industry or guys in the industry people trying looking, to make it to the uh, you next know, level? Get into a deal or yeah. that need to get some money? I mean, I've heard that the best advice already from like every everyone. It's just, you know, you're going to have to start at the bottom. Uh, the best thing to do is to just... Um, uh, reduce your expectations, uh, plan on having to diversify your income in a number of ways, you know, to be able to take a job in this. And I mean, then this job is low page. This industry is going to be low page labor for a minute. Really? There's no way around it. Um, you know, don't do anything that's going to hurt your physical safety because you're going to need that forever. And sometimes the, the jobs can be, you know, as we're learning more and more, even at the higher levels, some, it seems like some of the safety protocols to keep workers safe is not altogether there. Uh, but start, you know, starting in the trim room is a good place, um, you know, and then make your way to propagation and then you make your way to veg and mom or whatever it is, you know, and uh, there is some truth to growing being um, uh, like half janitor, half, especially indoors, you know, half janitor um half gardener essentially there's a lot of cleaning um the other thing would be like going into um i think that going into this education system it makes sense but um you know just just understand what that's going to offer you um fully and that there are more systems that are designed for cannabis but i still think they're pretty weak um you know, and that you're going to learn more through experience. So if you have the ability to just grow a few plants and play around with controlled environments, understand how that affects that. That's a good way to start uh, because for the most part, you're probably going to be operating in controlled environments, mm-hmm. whether that's greenhouse or indoor. So understanding those fundamentals. Um, what about for anybody that has a brand, like he said, like Pat got said, they're trying to level up or get money 
acquire, you know, to the already yeah, have a well or whatever. Yeah. Um, well, if, do they have a brand where people like are already smoking their flower? Yep. Let's say, yeah. Okay. Um, I don't know if that opportunity is present right now. I mean, not with all the shit that I'm saying. Yeah. It's an interesting, that's an interesting take. Yeah. Maybe, maybe you have to build it yourself right now because right now, like you said, the investment or the investors just aren't at the table at the right time. I just don't right trust place. any of them. Mm-hmm. Right. And I don't think any of us should trust any of them. So, I mean, you could get lucky, but it is extremely risky right now because we, it's not really clear how everything's going to shake out. Um, and so with that level of risk, you usually have to give up more. And the biggest trap is having any of your assets, which is IP, your license, your brand, your property, uh, used as leverage for the loan. And that's how these companies get taken over, um, is that they put valuable assets as leverage. And then you have two, one or two or three bad months, and you've now lost control. And you're going to have one or two or three bad months. Like, that's definite. So unless you can create a deal where there's some kind of protection around all that, I don't really know. You know, I would say right now being nimble and fluid with the market um, is a smarter approach. Unless you're in a position where you've already acquired so much market share. Like I look at what Steezy's doing and I think like I'm interested to see how that's going to play out. Um, I don't really fully understand like, you know, everything about their organization, but I'm, but I see like a lot of good things that are compelling, you know, where they could be a big player or I don't know. I don't know. I forget that who the, the main grower guy, there's a few Sean, Sean. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like I listen to, uh, listen to his podcast and I listen to a few things and, um, he seems like incredibly organized and focused and process based. Mm-hmm. Um, and it seems like they've been able to create consistent quality at the scale they were at, but I know that they've taken on a lot more and I haven't seen anybody do that well. And I've just seen it break people. So I wish them the best, um, but usually in those situations, it's like it's even higher risk, especially if you've had to borrow money to scale, and especially if you're in a time where we have a dip in in people purchasing from from dispensaries. So, you know, it's Godspeed. Yeah. What happens when the price on the street drops so low that the price it's like laughable what some of the high end costs in the dispensary retail dies. There you go. So yeah, and that's and that's that's the concern. That's why you're seeing deliveries pop up straight from brands right now. You're seeing growers and brands go straight to delivery. Look at Seven Ten Labs. Yeah, their delivery model is awesome. Yeah, it is awesome. This is the one thing though. I don't understand like that. I don't understand the the pump and dump thing very well. Like I just fundamentally like I struggle with it. So I think like I'm gonna operate a business, I'm gonna create a good product, and I'm gonna make money that way. I'm gonna grow it. And then if there's a company that comes around that can improve it, I would merge with them. But it seems like people are just building companies to sell them. And then that company has to sort out all the problems and they have the resources to sort out all the problems, but they're not necessarily improving it. They're just, they're polishing a turd. And I'm not saying that Stizzy's that, I'm not saying that at all. I'm just saying that like, I don't know how, I just don't know. Like, that's why I want to have more conversation. Like, I'd like to learn more. Like that's a black box. That's like the black box for me is like, what is, um, where, where are these companies that have powerful brands from the culture 
that have managed to become MSOs and have scaled. I think about that way for Jungle Boys, Cookies. I think about that way at all. And like in some respects, I'm not even in there. I might have been in the room to hear those meetings, but I haven't had to hold the, had to hold the responsibility of someone like Sean. Right. Like I look at what he's done and accomplished and the amount of hard work. And he has like a very processed military approach to everything. That is not me. Like I'm a lunatic compared to a guy like that. That guy's like, that guy, I'm like, that guy would win in anything. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? That's what I would look at. Right. Like I, you know, so uh, I hope, I hope they crush it. You know, I'm definitely looking forward to seeing where the cannabis industry goes and, and how it weaves through what's happening now and, and how it comes out the other side better. You yeah. Know? I'm looking forward to that because, uh, I think it's a bright future if we stick together. I agree. Yep. A- absolutely. Okay. Agreed. Hell yeah. Man. Well, boys, wrapping this up, man. Yeah, yeah. Episode Tapped 69. <laughs> the yin and the Time yang episode. Now yeah. we'll bring it back to the behind the scenes now. Come yeah, catch yeah. us on the Patreon. But you know, episode 69, man. Yeah. Poetry of Plants. We touched on a lot. We'll Thanks, have to have a part two. Yeah. As a Thanks, spicy guys. one. All right. <laughs> Peace. Yo, welcome to the Diamond Mine, the diamondmine.la, California source for boutique genetics, powered by yours truly, Blackleaf. And you know what that means? That means I'm bringing my best genetics into this. I'm bringing stuff I've been hiding, harboring away, stuff I haven't wanted to let out. We're bringing all that into the diamondmine.la, and we're going to offer that to California. Go on our website, hit the newsletter, and see if you can rock with us. Get on board with some of our genetics and change your garden. The diamondmine.la powered by Blackleaf.